Blog Talk Radio. done watching, you know, uh, like three fights in a row from yesterday. Didn't get to see every last one of them that was shown, but I got the gist of it. You know, that's for sure. I got the main stuff. The one I got to go back, well, there's probably more than just one, but Bobby Jack. I didn't see that fight, and I heard there was some kind of weird end of a, like an extra minute or something like that. I I don't know. I, I need to check that one out. But uh, other than that, we are going to start in the ring per usual. Usyk gets the job done in the rematch with Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua pulls a Kanye West, (laughs) except he wasn't talking about Beyonce. He was talking about himself. But we'll get into the, uh, you know, the stuff after the fight. But AJ, you know, it did look like he was – more committed to throwing a jab, uh, more committed to applying some sort of pressure, um, you know, at Usyk, and then, and he had success. No, he wasn't up three or four zip or whatever uh, Robert Garcia was saying, and boy, did I get that wrong. I think a lot of us did. Uh, Not that, that the corner didn't work, but him talking in the corner, what he was saying, it was like, Wow. Okay. Um, I didn't expect that. I thought it'd be more of the, you know, fire in the belly type stuff. But anyway, the fight kind of, you know, turned into, it just it hit a pattern, basically. It had a pattern till what was that, the ninth round? I believe it was the ninth round when, uh, you know, AJ just went off. Yeah, I think it was the ninth round. Um, and then actually, that was some of the funnest rounds the last eight or, yeah, probably eight, nine, somewhere in there. Um, I'd say eight rounds and on, and that was very entertaining at that point. Um, but credit to Usyk. Now, you know, we all wonder, is Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk next? Um, could it happen in December? 
Uh, could it happen first quarter next year, second quarter next year? I don't know, but I do think it will happen. <clears throat> There's not like major, major uh, network issues and stuff like that. I think it'll happen. Um, you can't really listen to Tyson Fury. You can listen to Tyson Fury, but you can't listen to everything he says. You can't believe everything he says. You know what I mean? Um, but I guess we'll get some sort of notion, potentially anyway, um, when it comes to Tyson Fury and his WBC, <clears throat> right? We know that he got, you know, the stripped with the lineal uh, ring belt, but he has until, what, the 26th or something like that? So we maybe we'll find out, okay, he is coming back. Or who knows? Like I said, it'd be like Tyson Fury to drop the belt and then say, I just want the lineal belt anyway. I've gotten all the belts. I don't care if it's undisputed. And watch, people would still complain about that. The fight could happen and be like, the fight would be so much better if he didn't drop his belt or, you know, something like that. Or, or maybe the, the – is it the WBO that uh, the mandatory will be due here some – that anticipating that the mandatory of, of Parker and uh, Joyce, I believe that they're thinking – that actually will uh, be a mandatory, not just, hey, you're going to be a mandatory, but we won't call it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But we will talk all about it. What's next for Anthony Joshua? You know, prior to this fight, him and Eddie Hearn talked about how they want to be back in December, speaking of December. Um, and, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see where he goes. I don't expect him to fight a complete pushover. Do think it'll? You know, I don't think he'll fight Wilder next or, or somebody that's a huge, huge risk. Um, but I, you know, I think he'll. I think he'll. Obviously, Eddie wants him to keep going regardless, right? Because uh, he just now he's on the DAZN deal, which is so awkward. Be like, oh, by the way, now he's now the DAZN deal's kicking in. It's such a weird way how they announced that, but. Um, you know, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see what happens, um, you know, with Anthony Joshua moving forward. There's plenty of good fights out there for him to, to fight, no doubt about it. Him and Wilder, we've talked about that. No matter what, if they've lost, you know, these back-to-back fights, oh, well, you know, uh, still plenty of good fights to go. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Obviously, <clears throat> this shouldn't have been a split decision. Uh, pretty bad <laughs> card there. Um you know the two cards on the co-feature to the to the on the ESPN card. I actually just got done watching that fight two fights ago. A hundred and ninety in two of them. Oh my! I know dudes from the area, but wow, dude! Holy shit! Like I thought, you know, what was it? Seven to five? Is it? Was it seven to five? Seven to five or eight to four? I think it was seven to five. Anyway, that the. the the Anthony Joshua card that, you know, that's bad as it is, but 190 in an otherwise very close fight, that that was ridiculous. So we're going to get into it. <clears throat> we will talk a little bit about um, the boogeyman heavyweight on the undercard that everybody swore up and down that everyone was ducking and all that. We'll talk about that fight that actually, although it had long stretches of like, wow, they're gassed and nothing's happening. When something did happen, you could clearly see something landing big. That's what kind of made that heavyweight fight more entertaining uh, than, I guess you could say, maybe on the surface, because there were long, you know, spans of 
during the round where it would be two guys gassed, looking kind of ugly. But turned out to be a very competitive fight and had some drama in there as well. Um, but, yeah, then we'll, we'll wrap up some of that ESPN in, in the Showtime uh, quadruple header as well. Um, pretty good fights over there. Uh, Lippinitz really handled uh, business 140. Now, we know Figueroa's been out of the ring for a little bit. and These last few years, you know, he's been out of the ring more than inside the ring. So that, that I'm not trying to make too much of a big deal of Lippinitz getting this dub. But he got it, you know, he got it fair and square. I mean, he did his job. Um, you know, he was the favorite going in. And, uh, you know, he got the job done. And the one thing I'll say is the 140-pound division is better for him, and we knew that already because we had previously seen him there. And also at 147, it just, you know, it was just a little too big for him, in my opinion. I think 140 fits him a little bit better. Um, Hector Garcia had some competitive rounds early and late. But, you know, with Rodrigo or, yeah, was it Rodrigo? Who, who's, I can't remember. Gutierrez, that's what it was. Roger Gutierrez. Rodrigo was that one my doctor. And then uh, Playu and Akmeda. I mean, that was a good-ass fight. It, we kind of knew on paper that fight was going to pop, and it definitely popped. Um, you know, we do have a little bit of fight news that we'll get to later in the show. We had a lot of talk and debate and, and a variety of stuff last week, so we didn't get to the fight news and the boxing Twitter stuff. I did get a couple messages of that. Sometimes, you know, you just don't get to everything that you say you're going to talk about in the show. Uh, but we will talk a little fight news uh, and whatnot. I got a couple of boxing Twitter, uh, you know, part of the boxing Twitter segment that's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk all about it in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show there or listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find the platform in a whole lot of places, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Spreaker, Stitcher. Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, tune in. We actually get a decent amount of listens there. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord and, you know, or you have and you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. Right now, for a limited time only, the prices are starting at $49.99 for two months. So it's a pretty damn good deal to check it off. That's a savings of forty dollars over two months, and then, um, you know, if you go to the choice or ultimate package, right now, it's sixty four ninety nine, and they're offering you know a variety of HBO Max, Showtime, um, Cinemax, that type of show. I said Showtime, uh, Cinemax. One more in there, Epics, I believe it is. But they're they, it just it they do that for. Three months, so you're saving $140. So you should definitely check it out. I think uh, Showtime right now on this platform is only $11 as it is. That's DirecTV Streaming. All right. So I'm going to break down uh, what I thought of the fight, and then we're going to bring in John a little bit earlier than we normally would, and we'll kind of talk our way through because we do have a variety of stuff to talk about. A lot of it's inside the ring, obviously, but a whole lot of, uh, you know, what's next. But we had so many cards last night that, you know, we got to 
kind of get to them. Um, you know, the first round, not a ton going on there. Uh, Usyk, you know, he landed, I remember that up jab that he landed really well kind of later in the round. He landed a, a couple of few left hands to go with some, some jabs. Both, of, both guys were jabbing right away, uh, not landing too much of any importance. I did get Usyk the first round, though, because even though AJ did, I think, two body shots, he did land some, some decent shots there. Then I thought AJ uh, won the second round. Uh, he was finally throwing the right hand along with the jab, whereas Usyk was mostly jabs in that round. But there was like three or four right hands that landed uh, to the head and a couple more body shots, too. So I was like, okay. And then the third round was a two-way round. Um, early and mid, AJ was doing pretty good. He landed a nice right hook. Usyk could have stole that round, though, with late left hands. So that could have went either way. I did give the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round to Usyk. And I really think after the first three rounds, not that, you know, AJ wasn't doing anything, but it just fell into a pattern, like I said at the beginning of the show. You know, um, the pivots after landing, counter right hand, lead left hand, jabs, up jabs. Um, yeah, AJ was showing a little bit more head movement at times at the start of the fight. He was dropping levels and everything like that, changing levels. But, you know, I, like I said, I thought he was a little bit more dedicated to his jab, but that kind of fell, a, fell away. And, you know, bo- sharp body punches uh, by AJ in Usyk at times, actually. Um, and I just thought in those, you know, the quick little combos, and then he did or just better shots overall, you know. Um, it was just less and less pressure. He'd have the – AJ would have these little moments, a lot of times like combinations of the body, and he'd have these little moments, but he found himself in front of Usyk more and more without that jab and just squared up, kind of like the first fight. And he did jab in the first fight. That's really the only thing he did of note beyond that really big, big round he had. I mean, he won rounds. I'm not saying that. But um, it just kind of fell into the same – similar, I should say. Not the same. But there was a round like the seventh round that he was outclassing him at that time, you know. Um, and he, he would make him miss, make him pay. And sometimes what I did like is AJ, not just the jab, um, but throwing the right hand to the head and body. And sometimes Usyk would come come up real close land a couple of good punches and on his way out you would see uh you would see AJ throw that right hand whether it land or not he he would do it and especially like in the first part of the fight but then Usyk got wise and sometimes I remember there was a couple of moments a couple times throughout the mid rounds that Usyk would try to come up and land and sometimes he'd land or miss kind of dip out even more and use an angle because he knew that right hand was coming and then he'd fall right back up and land a punch. So like I said, that's what I mean by like kind of outclassing him in spots, not for the whole fight. The eighth round came around. The fight changed uh, back to, you know, being two way. Like that was probably the eighth round was probably the funnest round of the fight at that point. Um, AJ had a sustained body work. Um, 
the check hooks, and just hooks in general. Uh, you know, Usyk had such a great start in that round. The combination pivots, all that. That that was a close round. But then obviously in the you know in the ninth round, AJ the body attack right away, and some roundhouse uh, or roughhouse roundhouse roughhousing. You know, he brought pressure, combination body attack. And then there was even that moment where he was he was on his MMA kick, and he he was like punching him in the top of the head. I was like, oh my god, AJ's roughhousing. Okay, AJ, let you know, let's see this, you know, and and, and um, like even in that follow up round, there was a huge right hand he landed midway, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter, you know. Um, it, it just. I think it was a big right hand that started it in that 10th round, now that I think about it. And, you know, he, he followed up, and he, he looked like he was really trying to apply some pressure, but then, whether he got hurt or tired or whatever, but he, he just, you know, he, he all of a sudden wasn't able to follow up as much. And Usyk, I thought in the 10th, and especially the 11th round, the 11th round, that in and out, uh, once again, on that outclass thing where he's just beyond like little short rallies of AJ, he's just beating him to the spot and then get, you know evading him as well. And you see, I liked what I saw in the 12th round from Usyk right away, right out of the gate, very active, never let up, um, beyond a couple of decent spurts for AJ in that 12th round. I gave it to Usyk. So overall, I had it about eight to four. Um, and I was closer to nine to three than seven five, but I had it eight to four. Uh, one of the scorecards had it one sixteen one twelve, the other had it one fifteen one thirteen, both for Usyk. And then that one fifteen one thirteen, that was kind of wild. You know, that was a little like, nah, he didn't win seven rounds. Am I right there? Was it one fifteen one thirteen? I believe it was, or was it one fifteen one twelve? And they had a draw round in there. I, I don't know. Of course, it would be a little different score. Than, I don't know. But either way, I, I didn't think that the scorecard, you know, should have – no scorecard score should have favored uh, A.J. in that uh, fight at the end of it. Um, so he improved minorly, you know. But like I said, the mid-rounds, <clears throat> whatever the reason is, it, a lot of it has to do just with style matchup. It, you just, you know – the footwork, the counter shots, the activity, like just making them pay. You know, those those uh, check right hooks or lead right hooks. I mean, just uh, it was just it, he just he beat him. He beat him straight up. Um, and like I said, you saw some minor improvements out of Usyk or I mean out of uh, AJ, but it just wasn't enough. And like I said at the top of the show. I and a lot of other people were wrong about Robert Garcia because even, you know, it wasn't a given that AJ won the first three rounds. It wasn't just, ah, it's 3-0, it's 4-0. You know, it wasn't like that. No, if you want to give him two out of three, that's fine, whatever. I'm just saying he didn't win all three, you know what I mean? And right off the bat when Garcia said that, I was like, oh, okay. All right, well, maybe he's trying to give him confidence and like, okay, he likes what he's doing with the jab. He likes how he's following up with the right hand. He's just giving him, hey, these are your rounds, you know? But then later, 
And I'll say this, we didn't get as much sound as I would have liked out of that corner, but you're up in the fight, you're doing this, you're doing good, keep doing it, you know. It wasn't, uh, it just wasn't the pep talk stuff, you know. It wasn't the desperation type, you know, fire in the belly for AJ. And I'm not saying, oh, man, if he would have had that, he would have beat Usyk, dude. It was all about the corners in his last two fights, you know what I mean? But it did kind of surprise me. Now, as far as the strange behavior at the, when the fight was over, you know, first you had him, he threw the ring belt out. I think it was ring in WBO or something. I don't know. I think it was the WBO in the ring. He threw it out in the ring, and he and he took off. He's kind of saying stuff to people a little bit, took off, stopped, came back. And this is where it got real strange. Like throwing the belts, that's weird. You know, I, I don't know really what was behind all that, but – um. After that, it got real strange. He's like, "Give me the mic, give me the mic." He he took. This is actually what bugged me. Like I said, he went Kanye West on it, but as I also said, he wasn't talking about Beyonce though. You know, he wasn't talking about a different fighter that should have beat be Usyk. You know, the way Kanye was uh, when Beyonce didn't win. You know, a video award that year, and uh, or song of the year or whatever the hell it was. And uh, it's just he just went on this. Oh, I kind of back. Let me backtrack. Taking the flag away from Usyk was like, really, dude? First of all, you're not going to do that anyway. But right now, you're really going to take the flag away. And then finally, Usyk's like, dude, just give me my goddamn flag. You know, he's oh, yeah, my bad, my bad, you know. But after, he, he's going from praising him, right? So it's like he, he says a bunch of stuff, then he goes back to praising him. Then he'll say some stuff, goes back to praise. It was just really weird. It was really funky. And part of me thought, did you think you won the fight? And then the other part of me just thought, mentally right now, he's just, he's in a rough spot. And for him to get up there and be like, hey, man, you know, it was just strange. Like, we all know that you're not. Anyone that's going to give a shit already knows that he got into boxing later. We know he didn't get it when, you know, get into it when he's five, six years old. So he's saying, oh, you know, I didn't, you know, and then he's bringing up, you know, I'm too big to punch in combination. And he's bringing up greats from the past and throw a combo like this guy. Throw a, well, I'm too big. It's like, well, Tyson Fury's pretty fucking big, dude. And guess what? He was out of shape. And you can still look at him and go, ah, he's in shape, but. Somebody, you know, that doesn't know boxing would probably be like, that guy's not in shape, you know? So that was a little weird because Lennox Lewis was just as big as he was, not he? I mean, really. Um, or big like that weight-wise. It's just the muscle thing. I, I agree that, you know, for him to say I'm not a 12-round fighter was like, whoa. I mean, we know that, but whoa. It just – the whole thing was just really random. And then he gave the mic back, and then whatever. It felt like he should have said that stuff at the the post press fight conference. That's when I thought people would still be giving him shtick, right? But it just fit better there because you know they just announced the winner, and then you, you take the mic. It was just it was weird, man. It was, and so he'd come back and be like, "Hip hip." hooray and say great things about Usyk but here's the deal dude 
the only reason you – know, I don't know. He's getting in an argument with Lomachenko. I know he was saying, like, it's skills, man. It's skills. That's, that's why you beat me. You're not strong. It, it just – it was – you can't always hear every word. So some, of, some people got a little confused of what he was saying at times. The Lomachenko stuff. He started bringing up the war and stuff like that. It was like – and that's where I didn't know what he was saying when he was talking to Lomachenko. First of all, he had already said this in an interview, those, those examples he gave of people, you know, like uh, when Lomachenko and Orlando Salido fought. Well, you know, he lost that fight. I know a lot of people don't think he lost the fight, but he lost the fight, and – he was trying to – that's where it kind of made me – threw me off because I was like, is he trying to give an example of, well, he lost a tight fight. They didn't give it to him because Ukraine was at war. Is that, that, it kind of made me think that for a second. And I was like, huh, what are we trying to say here, dude? You know? And so it was just all over the place. But I got to admit, I've played – in the last five years, I've played more than that of Anthony Joshua. Like when he tried to explain – the $50 million is not really $50 million because by the time it gets to me and then these broadcast deals, it's just like, what are you talking about? You know, it just, he says a bunch of strange stuff. And so it's not way out of left field. Like I think people are saying it's just usually, I don't know. It was just weird, man. It was, you could tell there's some stuff going on. He had to get some stuff off his chest. It just seemed like a press conference. I think that saved that for the press conference. Anyway, I do think we're going to get Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. I'm not saying for sure in December. These are these reports are out for December. Uh, I think the Saudi Arabia money will be too much. That'll be where the fight is. Of course, you know, as a boxing fan, you'd like it in you know Wembley Stadium or whatever, but because um, that's where you can draw the most crowd. But obviously, you know, if they're going to pay huge money, you know. It is what it is, right? And Anthony Joshua, like I said, there's a variety of guys he could fight. I think it's just about getting back into camp, still fighting the way you want to learn how to fight. I don't know. Like, get better at at the style you were just trying to do and keep, keep doing it. And then, you know, it, and then he also, I forgot to mention this. He also said, a lot of people didn't catch it. He said, I lost. I basically left it all in training camp. Had I left it all in the ring, I would have won the fight, but I left it all in training camp. So there you, when you say that, that means you were overtrained, and that's a shot at your trainer um, or your camp in general, you know, whatever. You know, if you did too many rounds or you ran too many, you know, whatever. But he did say that. That's an exact quote. I looked it up. Um, he, he said, you know, I, I left it in the gym. And, uh, and had I left it in the ring, I would have won the fight. But he also said before, oh, if he wasn't in the southpaw, I'd knock him out. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it is what it is. Like, we can go ifs, buts, maybes. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. Trust me, I know about almost, could have, could have, would have, should have. You know, there's, there's a lot of that going on. And, and so it's a little funky, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to sit there and berate him and, and say a bunch of ugly stuff about him just randomly. I, I'm talking about it because it's a, you know, it's a subject that needs to be talked about, but I'm not going to sit there and go too overboard and call him everything in the book and all that. Um, but it was kind of random anyway. 
Anyway, let's get to John. Let's bring in John and see what he thought, and we'll kind of just talk our way through the rest of this card, the Showtime stuff, uh, the ESPN stuff. We'll kind of, you know, paint a picture of all this stuff here. Let's go ahead and bring in John. What's going on, John? How you doing? Hey, Chris. How's it going? Uh, enjoyed listening to your breakdown and just pick right up where you were. I think it's a good spot because uh, judging by a lot of Twitter feedback even before the fight and then after the fight, um, a, lot of, a lot of people got a lot of things to say and uh, thoughts on Usyk and Joshua and just a lot within a lot of different within a lot of aspects of it. There's there's some disagreement. Uh, I think the majority of people pretty much see things the way you did, but uh, seems seems to be a seems to be a lot of a lot of issues and a lot of people going back a few years on uh, Joshua's career. Um, I just found this amusing. I, I don't mind it. I'm it's it's interesting to me though and. Since uh, I'm on your show weekly, I thought you'd find it interesting. It only happened about an hour ago. Um, Mick Conlon went three years into my tweets uh, talking about a debate we were having about Usyk Joshua after Usyk had just fought Gassiev. So <laughs> Mick, and Mick Conlon actually had some okay. pretty good comments that I didn't remember. I do remember that night uh, watching the fight, and then I, I think I, if I recall, I, I might have had a couple of beers after that. And uh, <laughs> it didn't say anything, though, I wouldn't have said, but uh, sure. it, it did with my, but I think what, what it reminded me of, and which is part of this debate we're getting to, and it's really just what you left off with. I mean, it probably a good place almost to start it out is, you know, I think maybe with this, and, it's, and all people have different opinions, but I mean, I think with Usyk, you know, you know he, he's really good. Um, you know, I always thought he was good, but still, some of the some of the flaws that I thought he might have, I, I was always actually with, because you know I, how I think the weight classes tend to be exaggerated, and even though we need a cruiserweight, I, I always thought, hey, this guy's six three. You know, I I've probably even said that when we've talked over the years. Um, eight, you know, he's got a, a, a good size reach. You know, no reason. You know, he'd beaten Joe Joyce in the World Series of Boxing. Fah. You know, no reason he couldn't fight at heavyweight. And so I always believe that. But um, this does come to me in this fight a little bit. Um, and this is where I do disagree with some people. And I, I think this comes up to my scoring in some fights. Where I, I can see really where I see it differently than some people is. You know, and I said this before. You know, to me, it, it's it's pro boxing, and of course, it's still about skill and not not getting hit and hitting and things like that, but it's still pro boxing where, you know, you, you get, you get more points for, for putting more hurt on. And, you know, if, if you're landing better power punches and maybe throwing a few, I mean, you know, you, you can take rounds. And I, I think I see that more and more that, and I, I think I, I, you see it, especially on the other side of the pond and in Europe, I, I think where, you know, if, if guys are tapping, tapping, you know, there, there's people that just just give. This is my view. You know, there's people that just give them the rounds. You know, I mean, like, you know, in other words, if you you tap a guy 20 times and the, and the other guy lands two real big power shots that have a big effect. I mean, there, there's people that are going to give the tapper. You know, they're going to say, well, he he tapped him 20. You know, he tapped him 20 times. <laughs> that, that's that's his round. So, um, 
you know, let, let's get getting into the, the fight itself. Um, you know, that part of the breakdown. I mean, I, I know what you were seeing now. I think it's good for me to lay out where I did see some differences. So, you know, at least to some degree, people know where I'm coming from. I don't quite break the rounds like you do down and, and take the notes and stuff, which is actually a better way to do it if you're going to recap. And that's why, you know, really you're the best at doing that recap every week. So, you know, there's times I've done that, but I, I didn't do that. But one thing that, that does come to mind, and, and I had a little debate with some people about this already, and, and frankly, there's a little silence back, because even though you could give it to Usyk, I think there certainly was a case the other way, and that's why I disagree a little. I'm going to talk about the Robert Garcia thing, because I think that was a big big issue to me, probably bigger than to you. And, and I agree with you, though, that you can't just – you know, there's physical abilities in the ring with the two fighters. You can't put it too much on the trainers, but I think there was some things where this meant a lot. But, but I actually agree. Robert Garcia, to me, right off the bat, wasn't getting to do much, and I said, uh-oh, this is bad. Um, so that part I agree right. with, with Joshua not changing – um, but I do think that Joshua took the first three rounds. Now, were those dramatic rounds? No, no, they were not. Um, you know, I don't, and I don't, and I don't like people giving Usyk the third. You know, that's not something that I, I would say. Oh no, you see, I'm not going to say like, oh no, Joshua definitely took the third. But, but to me, that's like, you know, there, to me, this was a fight. There was a lot of rounds like that. Like, you know, especially in those sure. first three, even a little farther than that. Like, you know, where, where I've got people say, and, and, you know, you usually don't do this. So, I, don't, I mean, if, if you firmly believe that, I know you believe that and you're fair like that, not, not biased. But, like, you know, you, you'll have people say, you know, you're, you're an insane axe murderer because you gave Joshua the third round in this fight. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's not you know, you know what the third round was in that fight. I mean, that's, that's not the case. And I even thought in the first fight, there was a lot of rounds like that. And that's where I was coming from. So like, now let's, I think the first round too, even the first round, you could at least argue about it. You know what I mean? You could debate about it. Well, I agree. Like, you know, I gave it to Joshua, but it was another one. It was not too much happened. I was concerned right off, you know, with Joshua. I'm thinking this guy, like you, I do agree with that, you know, and what what a lot of people are coming to, I do agree with. Like you know, this guy's doing the same thing he did in the first fight, which is a little more body work, which that was good. Um, you know, I agree with you. Like, you know, we didn't talk. I think the body work he, he did see. You know, and I had talked about that last week when we we're previewing this fight. You know, and I did see that a lot in this fight. I mean, I, the best thing he did was somebody picked up on. You know, Usyk doesn't seem to respond that well when he gets hit in the body. And, you know, we've, we've got to do that more. I mean, they, they did that. And, and of course the most dramatic of that was, and really for what Joshua brings to the table, it was actually, and you look the way it played out afterward, it, that did affirm that it was too late, but you know, he had him in trouble in the ninth, you know, as you already went over mm-hmm. with the huge body attack and the big right hand. I mean, I mean, he had him in trouble now, I thought after the ninth, I thought Usyk's got, you know, he's a stamina guy, but he's probably feeling it now himself. He's a smart fighter. He's probably going to, he's probably going to open up on Joshua and, and, and try to BS him as the 10th starts. And Joshua's got to stand ground and, and back this guy up. And he didn't do it. I mean, he, he I don't, I, I'm the same as you. I don't know if he was gassed. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if it was, if it was his mentality. He really doesn't, want to stand and trade with you even as big and powerful as he is and that's one of his it's actually ended up being one of his big problems 
um, to the beginning because this is not an excuse but a qualifier I put out because it really mattered to me, and I was having a little trouble reading it. Now, in fairness to some others, some picked up on these signals, and, and in fairness, I think they were being fair about it. Like, here's what I'm getting to that came to me right in, in the corner right after the first round I was looking for, and as you led into the fight. You know, Joshua was doing this big trainer search. He made a big deal, but he didn't hire anybody new for months. Then, you know, he comes up with right. Robert Garcia. So, you know, initial debate I agreed with was, does Garcia have enough time to even do anything? And, and I did agree he can't do anything technique-wise. It's too short after all this time. But, but I think Joshua was lacking in strategy, like we've talked about and you talked about when you were talking about it in the first fight. I thought Robert Garcia could, could do that if, if he was the voice. I mean, he, he, he's, he's got the knowledge. You know, he, he's developed enough fighters. He's been in enough big fights. People say he didn't work, out, work with heavies. Yeah, matters. But you know what? Emmanuel Stewart didn't work with a lot of heavies before he started getting with uh, Klitschko or Lewis. He really didn't work with anybody. Right, basically. yeah. You know, so, uh, I never thought about that, that yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that was a new thing for him, too. Now, then some people say, not mentioning that part, but it took a little while to develop. I knew that might happen. But, again, I'm looking at the strategy. The Joshua strategy was really bad in the first fight. So, you know, my I, as you saw, you know, I, I, could, I, I went saw the weights. I thought they were both pretty close to optimum weight. And I thought I, I got to, you know, about I didn't like how Joshua finished the first fight. I was kind of disgusted, thought, well, you know, Usyk's going to take him if they fight again. But then Garcia came in. It was late. I thought, you know, I'm going to give Joshua the benefit of the doubt. If Garcia is the number one voice and he listens, I think he can win. You know, I think he can win it. I think he can, and, and Garcia, to me, would have him going for the KO. So I'm thinking, you know, he, he can do the body attack like he did somewhat, but I agree with you, not enough improvement, you know. But but what I was horrified with just as an observer after that first round ended is then I see Fernandez, the lone, basically the lone lead voice in the corner, and I was like, you know, yeah, you got to be freaking kidding me. I was like, you know, this was me. I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me. You know, this guy – and, and that's where there were some British fans who I think correctly were saying, you know, this, this is Joshua. This is a guy who, who cares what everybody else thinks and it's window dressing. And, and, you know, that is then what you, to me, what you kind of saw, you know, Garcia's kind of secondary role thrown in a couple words, but not much else. And I agree with you on the disowned coverage. That was an important part of that fight. And there were some people, I can't remember if it was Mark Ortega or somebody else that, did say that before the fight. It might have been another guy in Ortega was saying something like that, but said, seriously, you know, you got a problem with those AutoZone commercials. They're going to not let you hear what, exactly what Garcia is saying in, in the yep. quarter like you need to. And that's just what you said. I mean, there you are. You know, then like the next round, you got an AutoZone commercial in there. But you could see, you know, Garcia was trying to get a little in, but but he wasn't the guy. And then I started thinking the night before the fight, this is picking, but, you know, you're looking for signals. I was trying to be optimistic, but then when I saw how the fight was playing out, there was a little clip that got put out on social media of a guy who was interviewing Robert Garcia. And Robert Garcia was kind of like, he was trying to be positive, but he was kind of like hinting like, you know, I, I train punchers. I like them wearing the Everlast MX glove, but, you know, Joshua wants to wear the grant, you know, that's what he's comfortable with. So, you know, that's good. And I'm thinking, 
it was almost like a backhanded way of like he's saying the guy, you know, the guy's not. And and I don't think the glove thing matters much, if at all. But he wasn't but the answering that, the full question. And I know exactly what you're talking about because even when they went in, the, like they're saying who's going to be the voice, he's like, "Well, we're on the same right. page, so right, we're on the right, same right, page. Right, That's right. all that matters." And then, so after that, right? You got it exactly right, Chris. So after that first round, I'm saying, "Oh no!" I'm thinking of that clip. I'm put, I'm thinking Garcia coming in late, Fernandez still there, and I'm thinking, "Oh, he, you know, he he just put, took McCracken out as window dressing. He's not, and he didn't, you know, he didn't." He, he was going to do it the way he wanted to do it the first fight. Because I think – I'm really thinking And now when you see that, that's Joshua. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's thinking that's what he's going to do, you know, and, and being stubborn. Although McCracken seemed all with it in the first fight and, you know, Fernandez. So, I, I you know, it, it's even then hard to tell. But but it wasn't Robert, it wasn't Robert Garcia. We could see that. So, that's, that's not excuses. I mean, that's just – that just happened. So – you know, obviously they did. And, and, you know, we also had a clip that somebody had put out about a two weeks before that. Now you got to just add it up where it was the pad work and Garcia was nobody, nowhere to be seen. Um, and some people were bringing that up there. Like John, you know, Hey, here, here's a pad clip. Where's Garcia? And, you know, you're trying to be optimistic thinking like, well, maybe he just does, wasn't doing the pads that day or something, but. Garcia obviously wasn't playing a big role in this. That to me was really bad. Um, but I got to say, I I thought Joshua, it was kind of like, and some people do agree with this. And I think you do too. Like, you know, the first fight he was doing the body better. Now I think like you pointed out, I think he might've even done the jab a little better in the first fight um, than he did this yeah, fight. Yeah, he landed more. Think, he was more successful with it. Yeah, it hurt him a little more. Cause that's when Usyk was playing with the nose and, and, you know, yep. now I agree with you in this fight, and you had said it, and I was watching some old Joshua clips after that. You know, he, he, he did, even though I think his right uppercut's his best power punch, he, he does get the straight right hand in a little more with power than I was initially giving him credit for. And he got some in this fight. I think he got more in this fight. He tried the big right uppercut. I actually counted because I think it's his best shot. He, 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 it is, if he does hit you with that shot, it is lights out. I mean... I think that's still there. It just but that's looks the strange. Shot. I don't know if it's yeah. the angle or the distance. I think it's the distance, but you are right. When right. it lands, it's big, but, man, when he misses, it just looks robotic. Yeah, and and he was wide open. That's what I'm I'm getting to. Like, that's hard on a southpaw. He forces it, and that's why he is wide open when he does that. He was in this fight. I mean, he did it, like, twice, and I'm like, dude. That's why I was like, dude, he's wide open. But but I think you got to point out here about Usyk. You know, again, with what he's actually bringing offensively at heavyweight, especially. I mean, I'm thinking back. I, I don't even think he dropped Chaz Witherspoon, did he? I, I don't think with and Witherspoon was completely out of shape. I, I, I'm. Th- I mean, he stopped him, but I don't think he dropped him, did he? Because why I'm pointing that out is, you know, you've you've got these extreme Usyk people saying like, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time and stuff. I don't think he's got a knockdown at heavyweight. I mean, and he was going to stop him within three and five and stuff like that. <laughs> right. I saw a lot well, of that. Well, that's too. why one one guy I didn't even want to address who was saying like, you know, he's a clown. But you know, you you pick Joshua, and and this guy this guy was he was one of those guys saying what you said, like you know, Usyk 
steps it up and blows him out within seven this time. And I, you know, I, I, it's not even worth bringing up, but I'm thinking like, dude, it was a, you know, to me, because I, I, I don't, you know, we'll get to it, but I'm in the minority here, but I'm going to say it. Cause I believe it. I mean, I don't think the Feldman 115, 113 was an outrage to me. Um, I'm in the minority, but I don't, but I, I don't think to me, this was like a 115, 113, Usyk, just so you know where I'm coming from. 114, 114, 115, 113. I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, I thought, you know, you had, you know, Usyk did come on winning some of those rounds. I gave them to him, you know, like, like you had described with his stamina, his game, you know, he picks it up in the second half of the fight. That's his game. Joshua had a big ninth. I agree with the people, you know, I saw the same. I mean, Usyk bit down in the 10th. You know, Joshua did not respond for whatever reason. And that was a, a huge moment in the fight, no doubt. I, if I recall, I think I agree with you then in the 11th. And then, you know, a lot of people are saying Usyk definitely in the 12th. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't see it that way. And, and I think a lot of this, again, it's the, the pity pattern. I mean, he, you know, he did have Joshua yeah, in trouble scoring in the, points. In the 12th, the first but Yeah, it's just the point scoring, you know, to me, again, to me, you know, to me, that's like the amateur board. And, and, you know, he's one of those guys that had hundreds and hundreds of amateur fights. You know, obviously he's winning in the pros. He's adjusted. And, you know, he, he I mean, he get, he, you and I both agree. I mean, he, he's a different type of boxer in terms of he will – he's not boring. You know, he'll get aggressive at times. And he, he doesn't run around the ring or anything. I mean, he just uses footwork, stays relatively close. You know, one thing that you saw – that I see, and I haven't heard a lot of other people talking about it, but, but after seeing this fight, I believe it a hundred percent. And again, I'm thinking if a Robert Garcia is the lead voice, this is the types of things I think really could have made the difference. Not, not, not that a trainer usually makes that much of a difference, but I, I thought it was close enough. It could have, um, you know, you know, based off the scorecards, no matter if people agree with it or not, I mean, you, you know, it for sure, like it, it, it definitely is that way because if he just pushed a little bit more in one round, you're looking at a split draw. And if he pushes two rounds, he wins the fight. Yeah. And I think he needed to do that early. But what I saw sometimes that you and I have seen is Joshua did it very, very little, very, very little, even though it was a key, but there was a couple moments in the fight when he made just a little bit, but, but it was enough where it got Usyk just very briefly getting on his bicycle. And I was just looking at that. You, you could just see he doesn't like to do it. I mean, see, that would that would get him out of that stamina game a little bit where, you know, he's always looking to come on in the second half and especially in the, you know, the last three or four in these 12 rounders. Um, you know, it, but instead Joshua was like waiting on that. It's kind of like what you said when he was – you know, making all the statements after the fight about conditioning and things like, you know, I, I could see, you know, if you're Anthony Joshua and when you're his trainers, I mean, you don't want to leave the guy so exposed where he can't go 12, but, you know, his strategy can't be, I'm going to come on in the second half of this fight. I mean, and, and it seems like that's what the, you know, not even coming on, but like both fights, he just wanted to be around, you know, like like for the 12, like boxing 12. And he's even admitted to that some, and just not the way to go. He didn't have to be all wild or anything, but you got to back Usyk up. I mean, what, what drove me crazy watching Anthony Joshua in these two fights, I will say this, and this is where I think he lets Usyk be 
be even more effective than he has to in, over these two fights is that's where Joshua, even though he didn't have the big amateur career, was a gold medalist, but in terms of amateur fights, but still, I do see that amateur part of him still come out. Like, do you see every, I mean, Usyk's not a big puncher. And do you see every, as a heavyweight at the very least? And do you see in these two fights, 24 rounds, virtually every single time that Usyk makes a move to him, he backs off to defend. And I'm like, this is a 6'6", yeah. 244-pound power puncher, and this guy backs off in 24 rounds, literally every single time the guy makes a move on him, he backs off. He never thinks about trading punches. He never thinks about holding his ground and backing him off. And that, and that really yeah. is a lot of the difference. And that's what I was looking to Robert Garcia for, because that's where you do have some schools of thought with, you know, different regions and countries sometimes. And let's face it, most sure. guys, not all, but most guys do come to the U.S. to train. I mean, you know, they, they just do. Not all of them, but, but a, lot, a lot of the top guys. And yeah, even, especially you know, the when they're prospects, guys. too. You know, maybe right. once they get the money, they don't. But, you know, they, they, they do – like they want to be in a lot of different camps, stuff like that when you're right. younger. So. And, and like, yeah. And I'm not gonna defer. I'm not gonna like divert to it yet because this, like I said, there seems to be a lot of discussion, and a lot of people that want to discuss this Usyk Joshua and these issues. So want to stay on it. But like an example, different level of competition, different fighters and stuff. But look at Callum Smith sticking with Buddy McGirt for two fights, and blasting people out and i can tell you why it mattered in this fight with Botter leak saturday because you heard mcgirt right in the corner keeping on calum smith saying i want that left hook to the body i want that left hook to the body now why did that matter when he blasted him with that left hook to the head it started with the left hook to the body and and that, sure. that that's what i'm talking about right there that kind of a thing i mean there was none of that in joshua's corner because robert garcia was pushed off to the side uh, the way this setup was, he wasn't the lead voice. And, you know, th- I do think there were, there would have been things like, let's say Lo- Robert Garcia was the lead guy and, you know, he, he was just getting to implement everything he wanted to do. I mean, you've you got to figure he'd have Joshua trying to back him up more left hooks to the body and the left hook to the body. When Joshua threw it was very effective. It was extremely effective. I mean, he yeah. was the guy. Chef, I mean, stomach, liver, whatever, just throw a punch to the body and try to put them together, you know, and it was working. Yeah. Every time he did it, it worked. And when he comes at you, don't back, uh, you know, don't back up to defend, you know, I mean, don't don't keep backing right. off to defend. It doesn't mean take shots, but it means don't back off to defend, you know, if you got to keep your hands up or whatever, just, but just don't don't back off to defend all the time. And, you know, I, I think there's things that could have been done there, Um you know, I do think it was a more entertaining fight than the first fight, and uh, Usyk took more body damage. I, I think in this fight he did show people were assuming he had it. I wasn't saying he didn't, but I wasn't saying he did. But it looked like he was absorbing the headshots pretty well. I mean, he got hurt, but you know, Joshua is a puncher, and but but he was getting hurt bad. To the, I mean, he, he you know you saw the fight, Chris. I mean, every time Joshua did commit to the body, I mean, Usyk was he was literally hanging on. I mean, he was hanging well, on. Well, and even so. that one that, that I forgot what round it was somewhat early. I mean, we can call that low. That's fair. But it was the low, you know, the lower half of the belt. I mean, the belt line. Right. It was belt. It wasn't that right. low. 
you know, no, and, 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 and also, I talked Usyk, to... Usyk had his, you know, we couldn't see his belly button, so he had his right. trunks up pretty high. He wasn't, it wasn't Tommy Hearns late in his career, you know, up to his nipples, but it was high. Right. So it's like, I could, that one, that kind of just shows you, though, you keep doing it or, or right around that region. And, you know, look how, like you said, look how he responded throughout the fight to body shots, but even in that moment where it didn't really feel all that low, to be honest. Right. And I, exactly, I disagree with the commentators. And that's, I talked about that before the fight. I've talked about what that him was before. And that was the first body shot. That was one of the first, not the first, but that was one of the first big borderline body shots Joshua landed in the fight. And who's stopped fighting? I mean, you know. Yeah. He doesn't know exactly where that is. That he he's been getting away. You know he's he's been getting away with that now. That one was more borderline. I mean I've seen him get hit with ones like that in other fights. Like I can think specifically in the Gassiev fight, where it wasn't low. It just wasn't luck. I mean he got hit there, stopped fighting. You know then Gassiev stops. The ref ref lets him get away with it. I've seen it before, but Joshua in this fight he did stay with it more. And he had him hanging on with it, of course, most markedly in the ninth. But then Usyk right. had the big response in the tenth. Um, so, you know, I could see – this was a fight – I mean, I could see Usyk winning it. It wasn't one of those ones where, like, I'm saying, yeah, you know, there, there's no doubt Joshua won this fight. I did not think, like, seeming the majority felt that, you know, uh, that the 115-113 was out of line and, you know, then you see to me that that over the top stuff of you know Feldman, he should be he should be suspended and it was fixed. And you and I always laugh about this, Chris. The old we're gonna we're gonna risk we're gonna risk getting caught for corruption by having one judge when it takes three when it takes two out of three to win right. a fight. I mean, makes no freaking makes no freaking sense in the world. You know, just none. So, I mean, whatever it was, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't that. So, um, and and look, well, especially when we had two, to... two one hundred and ninety cards this weekend in a co-feature on ESPN, which was completely ridiculous, like way beyond anything. Like that was horrendous. It was a tight fight. You know what? Real quick, um, Box Rec, uh, was it Box Rec Gray had a. Uh, Interesting point about Feldman. He said, I've met Feldman before, completely normal person, plus, you know, uh, go through the guy's history on box rec. Thousands of fights scored and a handful of ones that uh, the public disagrees with. Simply, He simply swung two rounds the other way. Otherwise, with one judge, when, excuse me, one judge, he aligned 10 out of the 20. And he said, if those are tweaked, it's a 115-113 Usyk win, and everybody's super happy. So yeah, I, I you know it's not like a ten to two Canelo versus Golovkin you know fight one you right. know no, that, let's let's it, let's yeah. not that's the whole thing about social media it seems you just gotta it's a hyperbole echo chamber right. you know let's sign the petitions yeah that's a good point but I like what you said about the echo chamber and and I agree with Box Rex Gray that's all I'm saying and I I, I will do some separation like you know. You and I both think some a lot of times this stuff can get overrated, but there there have been a few in like let's say the last two years that even I said, my God, you know, like like this is a little bit over the top. But this right, this wasn't that. Like and for me, that would have been like Maestre Fox, where Fox drops him, 
and, you know, he, he seems to be winning every round. Or it, it right. was an upset to me. I didn't expect it, but I got to give him credit. And I'd said it that one, like that Bacoli Yoka, you know. I mean, to me, uh-huh. Bacoli was just giving Yoka a hellacious beating. And, you know, you got these crazy, you know, crazy scorecards, you know, ha- having Yoka right, th- right there. I mean, those to me are like, and like you said, I mean, even though I thought that fight was closer than people made out, I mean, right, you know, yeah, you had, uh, you know, like the, you know, the the bird scorecard and the Canelo Golovkin won, but uh, also, you know, watching, you know, going back on the pay per views, I, you know, that and that judge got permanently suspended and never judged again. You know, even though I was been a big Canelo fan and that fight intrigued me at the time, like, you know, there, you know, I I thought Mayweather beat Canelo easily. You know, and you had yeah. you had that that claim. You know, those like again, if you just want to if you want to yell about that, but you can't yell about all these when it's just like box rec Gray said. That's what I look at. I mean, you know, yeah, it takes a little time to break it down. You break it down every week, but right, like you got to put those little asterisks by those rounds that could go either way, and then look back and say before you go crazy, like, well, yeah, there was two. You know, there was a, two rounds that if I'm really being fair, could have gone either way, and if you swung them both the other way. You know, you get that card, and and to me, this was that kind of a that was kind of that kind of a situation. The way I looked at it, I mean, um, so you know, now it wouldn't have mattered in this fight, but and New York had tried to do that in the late '80s, but it kind of faded out. It just didn't catch on. Um, in this fight, it wouldn't have mattered because Usyk had that big tenth and Joshua had that big ninth. But a, a thing that probably would help this if you truly use the 10-point must, where, like, if you had, well, let's look at this fight with Joshua Usyk. You you would have had, like, a 10-8 for Joshua in the ninth and then a 10-8 for Usyk in the 10th. You know, in other words, what I'm saying there is, let, let's face it, this is the problem with current boxing scoring. The ninth round Joshua had or the 10th round Usyk had were nothing like those first three rounds you and I just talked about. But they're, they're all 10-9 rounds. I mean, it's really, really doesn't make a lot of, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, you, you probably should be using the, the 10 point must more liberally like that to have 10 eights. And then maybe you had a knockdown would be a 10 seven or something like that. Or, or maybe not. I mean, you know, you and I have been following boxing long enough, you know, the, the, the 10 eight automatic for the knockdown is kind of relatively newer. Like you go back, 30, 40 years ago, I mean, if a guy got dropped and he came back and won the rest of the round, everybody made that a 10-9. Right. You never, you never see yeah, that. Yeah, now you look, you get looked at, you know, sideways if you, if you did right. that. <laughs> That's what I'm or saying. God forbid, like, a 10-10, 9-9. You, you see that more in the U.K. You do see more draw rounds in the U.K., I'll say that. They kind of got the old right. school feel to it still. Yeah, and that would be another way of doing it. Another way of doing what I said. It, like, like you said, people don't like it. They go crazy, but like would be – this actually wouldn't be that bad. The other way to do it would be with the current scoring system, you would maybe have those first three rounds of Joshua Usyk even. And then, you know, Joshua gets a 10-9 in the ninth, and Usyk gets a, a 10-9 in the the tenth. That, you know, just as examples, that, that type of a thing. But um, – yeah, I think the so you know Usyk, I think oh, with, he took more body damage overall than the synopsis. He took more body damage than the first fight 
um, didn't seem to take quite as much damage jab. Um, I had mentioned Josh and Joshua had to really stick that power jab. I thought before the fight, um, there were some people that agreed with me on that. And then you did hear Chris Algieri say it in the U S commentary, which I think he was right. Algieri's getting better and better all the time. You know, he said when Joshua, a big guy like that flicks that jab, you know, that's not really doing what he needs to do with that. And I agree. Um, especially got a little bit longer reach than Usyk. So, uh, you know, he, he missed opportunities there. But I, I just think not utilizing Robert Garcia was a huge mistake. Really just seemed he, – he pretty much wanted to do what he did in the first fight and just maybe tweak a couple of things. And, you know, it was almost enough split decision, but, but it, wasn't, it, it wasn't quite enough. And that's where, like you said, I mean, I, I think really with the way it played out, you know, had, had you had a Garcia taking the lead and really calling the shots and listening to him, in the corner in this particular situation it could have made a difference but one thing some people were saying before the fight wasn't sure if it was exactly going to make a difference his way but it did is you know you did see a better mentality from Usyk than Joshua when you saw him like in the tent just respond like that and and that was a moment where it was part mentality you know I mean Usyk's got a great volume but still you could see you know he was in trouble when he went to the stool at the end of the ninth and and he obviously made the decision. Hey, I, I gotta, I gotta get on. I gotta do something at the beginning of the tent, or this guy's gonna follow up on me. Yeah, and, you know, he, he might get me out of there. And uh, that was the, totally to his credit. I mean, that that was a, that was maybe not even arguably. I mean, you know, to me, the way the fight went. I mean, that that was probably. I agree. That probably was the key moment. Now, I think then it got a little later on. I think Joshua did more more than some people gave him credit for, but. Uh, you know, not not as much as he should have. Just just not not quite as much as he should have. Whether it was the stamina or whatever, and uh, so you know where do you, you know Joshua didn't get beat up or anything. I mean, he's made a lot of money. He's thirty two, but who knows? I mean, you know, depending on the the right fights, the right performances, you know, maybe he could get back. I, I liked what Usyk said afterward of just give me fury or that's it, which I thought was a little comical. It showed. The, the situation that's silly to me to talk about vacating lineal because so yeah. you know, is Usyk retired then he said I'll, I'm only going to fight Tyson Fury and supposedly Tyson Fury's retired so yeah he's retired he, said, he, he might got, as well drop that thing dude put he, it up for grabs yeah, yeah so do we put it up for grabs do we put that up for grabs next Parker week Parker Joyce it, it, that's what's right. going to be Parker Joyce that's the new one yeah. I, I mean that's the absurdity that that you've created here which really does. I think it disgusts me because it's bad enough as it is with the alphabet. So I, I think we are in, in just a, a com- in that sense, a complete chaos. And then Fury already did tweet out a video that night. He said, both of these guys are shite. I'm back. You know, get, get, right. give me, you know, give me, give me, cut the check. Whatever. So yeah, so, right, cut the check. So, okay. So he was retired for three days. You know, he's retired for three days. So he's not the, lit- are we going to say he's not the guy? He's not the lineal champ. I mean, that 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 insanity. Now the Joshua in the ring talk after. I'm getting more like this as we've learned about head injury and stuff. I, I'm a little cautious about. It. If you want to be kind of a hard school old old person, old school person, you can say, well, a lot of guys take headshots and losses, and they don't act like Joshua did after the fight. That's true. I mean, that's sure. an argument, but you know, with head injury and all we know now, boxing, pro boxing, you know, it's designed. You know, you're trying to hit the other guy in the head. I mean, as brutal as it is, it's part of the sport. Um, 
I, he was a little I'm, I'm stumbly, little, too. He was a yeah, little stumbly, I'm a, too. I'm always a little hesitant. His legs weren't great. Yep, I'm always a little hesitant now, you know. There's a lot of fatigue with possible head injury. I'm just a little hesitant to judge the actions. Um, and that's where we can jump another good moment this weekend because I've never heard anybody say it on one of the telecasts. So Raul, Raul Marquez ended up – it fits with this. Raul Marquez ended up being the first to say it during the Figueroa Lipinets when Figueroa was taking a hellacious beating from Lipinets and looked totally done, which I think he is. But, you know, again, to Figueroa's credit, you know, he had said before the fight, you know, you know he's, he's been getting counseling. He's been diagnosed with bipolar. But, again, he's taken a lot of shots. So Raul Marquez, I, I tweeted about this a few times before that fight, you know, not with that one specifically, but about these issues. And, you know, especially when Broner pulled out, I did say it. But I give Raul Marquez, who was a fighter himself and whose son's a fighter, give him a ton of credit for saying it on the air on Showtime. He was saying at that point, we know what this guy's been through, you know, mentally. You know, obviously, right. he's already had effects. Should this be going, you know, should this be going on at this point? Which, no. I mean, he's taking right, too many yeah. shots. And, you know, and, and that is going to be an issue in boxing going forward as we learn more about, you know, mental health. But we know about mental health complications from brain injury, which a concussion is defined as a brain injury. So, you know, when, when I get now hesitant, you know, we, we, we watch the sport, obviously. We, we do love the sport, but, you know, we, we learn more. And I get a little hesitant now, just like Marquez was getting to. You know, you get a guy like Figueroa talking about he's, he's been – I mean, it's good that he's been under counseling. Not that it happened, but, you know, he's taking care of and stuff. But then, you know, he's in the ring. He's taking headshots like that. That's – you know, it, it gets even more uncomfortable. So – uh, as something I think in boxing is going to have to be dealt with because it's it's not wrong that guys are coming out and saying they have these mental health issues, but you got to understand that, that those issues can come from traumatic brain injury. Now, of course, you can get them without traumatic brain injury, but you can get them from that. So it's an issue you got to be looked at, and that gets back to what we've been saying about Joshua. I, I'm, I'm just hesitant now, right? I, it's not that everybody does it, but but we don't know. We've seen guys cry after fights. Again, not criticizing them at all, but I just mean that can come from right. you know head injury. So I, I'm not gonna. I am in the kind of the camp there. I, I'm not gonna judge it. I don't know if it came from that. The only little bit I am gonna take out of it is he, he does he does seem a little concerned about what other people are thinking about them and sure the yeah. pressure and spotlight and stuff, but you, you get kind of those vibes. And then I'm thinking like, did he just take McCracken out and put Garcia up there as window dressing because people were saying stuff. It certainly looked that it, it did certainly look that way. Let's face it. Um, well, he could have had, we like, talked about this last week. He could have had three different mini caps with Garcia, you know? Right. Yeah. He waited. I mean, it right. was 11 he, months ago for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know? So yeah. he could have yeah. had two, three, little month three week camps with him to at least get you're some right. of that stuff out of the way you're right chris he held off on it too long and, th- and that kind of showed that too you know that he didn't really want to do it um yeah it just it, it ended up being more of a window dressing type and i thought that was a shame because i think it, it, in this one it, it could have made the difference so uh yeah we'll see what does going forward i mean you know i i suppose people are thinking no no but i mean i suppose and the people that 
are kind of joshing the tractor saying he just won't do it. They do have the ammo right now, but I guess you could theoretically say this. Joshua hasn't shown that propensity, but with Robert Garcia, and he let him take over, maybe we would see something different. But but there's there's not really evidence that Joshua is going to do that. So, right. you know, we don't really have that evidence right now. But uh, I guess that pretty much uh, – Pretty, I think that probably did pretty much cover most. Pretty much cover uh, cover most of it. Then I do like Usyk saying, you know, because that's all we do care about on that, you know. And yeah, I think if if I mean maybe Fury can't travel, but Usyk has worked with Top Rank in the past. I think he's freed up. Uh, Fury stole with the co deal with Top Rank and Warren. That fight should be able to be made. Um, he can now, probably I, travel to Saudi. <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing they're not going to deny his access. Right, but I, with that, I'm just thinking: would would Top Rank and I don't know if Top Rank would want to, you know, with the U.S. Right. You know, they put a lot of money into Fury in the U.S., which they have. It's the truth. The promo, you know, I, I assume mm-hmm, the numbers yeah, never came sure. out. I think we can probably assume the White Fury pay per view in the afternoon did right. poorly in the U.S., but I suppose. You know, well, you know, I you hate saying it, but you got to be honest. It's not a big fight in the U.S. I mean, let's 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 be real here. I know it's true. It's true. I mean, you know, we could we and and everybody and look, you know, Chris and I are obviously into it. We're hardcore. We want to see the fight. It's not that, but we're just reporting honestly. I mean, you know, I can see people in Europe, Asia, and the U.K. saying, "How can it? You know, how can it not be a big fight in the U.S.?" Well, again, it's just not. I mean. I could give examples. I was shortly before the card started Saturday, I was at a family gathering where there were some former hardcore fans there. And this is U.S. And and not only weren't they like having the zone and going to watch the fight. I mean, they didn't even know what was going on. Now, these are not current, right. you know, fans. But but literally, though, former hardcores who got turned off and, yeah. and, and, that, and still sports fans. And, you know, they didn't – I mean, they didn't even know it was – they didn't even know it was going on. They didn't like. They didn't know it was like on in a few hours or that. You know, like wasn't even taking place that day. So that's kind of where you're at. I mean, you know, the zone in the U.S. doesn't have much reach. So yeah, it got shown here, but not many people are seeing it. You know, Fury's been built up here. I mean, you've got people know who Tyson Fury is here now, but like, yeah, yeah, it's just fight, fighting Usyk. You know, I, I just—it's kind of—you know—it's it's better than white. Yes, it would sell better than that, but I, I don't know. I mean, I just say that because with the money, with the money that they would be getting, I mean, apparently Usyk got forty million for this fight. So, you know, guys get used to. You can't blame them. You know, we know Fury's been getting yeah. that kind of money. Um, you know, how, how do you? I'm just going to make up a number, but you know, it is that way with these things. Like, because the U.S. still matters, people. They got accepted. I mean, they like it or not. It still matters. I mean, like, can you pay like Fury and Usyk eighty million dollars with a U.S. pay per view at, at you know five in the afternoon? I, I don't. I, I don't. You know, that that's where I'm trying to. I'm scratching the head a little bit because yeah. I don't think they would do the Saudi thing, which obviously their sightseeing money is making this stuff happen. Like, you know, you know, made made numbers work for Hearn, but. Um, I don't, that that's is the true. That's, is Bob yeah. going to want to sell the whole thing to him? You know, that is different. That is yeah, different. That, it's a different type of – it's not a site fee, really. Not just a site right. fee, I guess. 
I mean, I mean, I'm so, yeah, I did think about that. That is true. Maybe Bob wouldn't be down for that part of it, but yeah. like you said, though, he's got to know. You know, if I got to guarantee all this money, like this is probably not going to do great on pay per view. And then, like you said, as of right now, he can't get in the states to even be in Vegas and have a Vegas fight and have the UK come over and the, the, they could create a nice gate at in Vegas, no doubt about it. But yeah, I, right. That's, that's I agree with that. You're though. right, though. Yeah, they have to do an afternoon show. As of right now, he can't get in the states. Exactly, he can't get in the states. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Cause, but I agree with you. Like people, that's where people could used to not understand when fights always ended up in Vegas. It was kind of like the equivalent of the Saudi thing. Because, you know, Vegas could justify those site fees because all the gamblers that brought in, all the people brought into the hotels, that's why you, you can't count out Vegas, like even for like a Fury Usyk, but you can if Fury can't get into, can't get into the United States. And then they got to think about British pay-per-view, you know, what time is it going to be on and things like that, trying to maximize these, these revenues. So that's with White Fury, they ended up settling on a U.S. pay-per-view in the afternoon and doing the Wembley. I mean – I could see him doing that. Can that justify those kind of numbers? You know, can that justify those kind of numbers for Usyk? Yeah. Uh, that I don't know. I don't know how they. I don't know how they work that out for for those guys. That's kind of interesting. But I like Usyk saying, "Hey, just give me that fight." You know, I don't want to hear about alphabet mandatories or any of that stuff. I mean, that's what I like that we didn't hear that. I mean, let's just. Have yeah, and he's getting to the age where it's like, hey, you know, like why not? Like if you can go out in the sunset, win or lose going for undisputed, you know, that's a pretty dope way to go out, you know? That'd be yeah, awesome. I mean, whoever whoever wins that fight, you know, I mean, is, is clearly the guy. That's what you like about it. I mean, there, there is no there is no dispute there. Um, and then that clears your lineage. You know, I don't even think there should be a doubt, but, I mean, that clears your lineal up, back up, which I always think is good for boxing. So, um, and it'll open the know, belts be- back up more than likely, too. Yeah, that, they're always going to do that then. You know, like they, they'll, yeah. they'll throw <laughs> belts out to other people. Like we're seeing that at 140 pounds already. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, you know, we've always seen that stuff. So, but that's, yeah, uh, yeah that, that, that's that's about on that. I mean, and then we had, uh, had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of other action. I, I like, I was also entertained by the Zhang Hergovic. Yeah. To that. Yeah. Now, now, what's interesting about that fight is you heard, people that liked Zhang and thought he won because I haven't heard this as much as I used to. And it's not wrong, really. Like they were saying like, because in pro boxing, this isn't wrong. Like, I mean, there, there's a case for that. Like they were saying, well, Zhang had him out on his feet a couple times at the end of the round. You know, I gave Zhang that round because of that. And that's normally the way I score, frankly. But in that fight, what I thought was different is Hergovic was peppering him, but he was peppering him with power shots. You know what I mean? Like, I agreed Hergovic, like, twice was out of his feet with those shots, you know, near the end of the round the one time. But he was, like, hitting him with – but he was hitting Zhang, like, with power shots, like, the whole round before that. Like, I mean, not bitter fight. I saw even when Hergovic got rocked like that, which was not good, but I thought, you know, some of those rounds, he was landing so many shots with before that power shot, I think he was still winning. But you know that was a tight one. That was a tight one. It was entertaining with very both close. guys getting rocked. Um, very close. I, 
you know, normally at heavyweight, anybody can get taken out with any shot, even though you're that big. And I first kind of learned that from Emmanuel Stewart. I guess it was as the guys were getting bigger. And, and he was, even though it was an, an oldie but a goodie, he was first starting to say it with, with George Foreman. Like, you know, he was like saying, you know, the guy's just so damn big that like, you can't, you know, it's hard to get, it's hard to get him out of, you know, it's hard to get him out of there. Like, you know, even for another heavyweight, like, and you know, that's what I was thinking about Zag, like in this fight, like the, the, the guy's obviously completely exhausted. He finished this one, like the forest fight leaning, like mm-hmm. he staggered over the ropes. He couldn't even stand, but the dude is so damn big that like, he just standing there taking shots. I mean, like he's getting rocked, but, but you're like, and then you could see Herkovic getting exhausted. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this guy's they just took turns. so damn big. They took turns so getting tired. Big. Yeah. He's so damn big at 277. But Zhang is entertaining in his own way. But what kind of worries me, I mean, the guy's 39. I mean, he takes shots. Right. He's finished these fights exhausted. I, I do worry about the guy. I mean, in his short career, he's providing a lot of – he's providing some good entertainment. I, I respect. But – I'm a little worried. And, and you know, Herkovic, I mean, I, I agree with the assessment that the entertaining fight, I did think he edged it out, but he certainly was no boogeyman. I mean, you know, the, the guy was out on his feet a couple of times. Uh, he was lucky he survived. He was gasped as well. I mean, that's, that's what you weren't expecting, you know. I mean, you know it's heavyweights, but, but he was gassed as well. And it provided a lot of uh, entertainment. I can't believe it went the distance. I mean, it was so close to not yeah. going the distance. On many I didn't occasions. think that at the halfway point. I thought, no way in hell. These guys are both mouth wide open. Um, you know, yeah, I thought I thought for sure it'd end up in a, a knockdown. And it's funny because if you look at the first four rounds, you could probably say Zhang was up 3-1. The last four rounds of the fight, you know, Bergovic, you know, he uh, – he closed really strong, and yeah. it's kind of in the middle where there's a lot of, you know, I look right. at the fifth round. I gave it to Zhang, but then again, I got question marks. Eighth round, huge exchanges, um, super close <laughs> I round. I mean, it was that was a tight fight. I liked how at least the scorecards were, were close, you know. I did like yeah. that. There was even a 114-113, but I would have been okay either side of it. Um, or a draw or whatever, you know, that, yeah. that was that type of fight. But yeah, I could see, you know, Hergovich winning. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, I, I couldn't uh, – it is one of those. I mean, it wouldn't have been – it certainly would have been, wouldn't have been crazy for Zang to get that decision. Um, but that fight lived up – it came – it played out differently than expected, but it lived up to expectations. And Callum Smith looking good two times in a row now with McGirt. So that was worthy of note. And then Showtime. Um, what know, happened Figaro, with Badu Jack? Do you know what happened with the Badu Jack thing? Was there an extra minute in a round or something like that? I didn't get to see the fight, but I saw people talking about it on Twitter. I didn't either. I didn't either. So yeah. uh, that's when I missed. I think there was, there was so a, an extra minute in a round. I don't. I don't know what it was. I'm not sure. I got to go look. I got to go back and watch that thing. I got to see what that's about. Yeah, that one. But I yeah, don't we know. can look the Showtime. Yeah, Showtime. Um, Garcia. That one. With Gutierrez, that kind of went as I expected. Um, Garcia, you know, a little bit better, a little bit more skilled, and uh, you know, he's making a making a pretty good uh, name for himself with Colbert and then Gutierrez. Yeah, he's had a good year. Uh, 
Yeah, he's having a good year. Uh, Brandon Lee took a hellacious shot and got dropped. Uh, I mean, that was – you you can even see how his body fold over, you know, how you land and then you're like, oh, I can't stop my body. Like, oh, that that was – I liked how he recouped and he was fighting really well by the end of the round, next round, but, man, he took a big shot. Huge, huge right hand. He looked out, and I really like him, and and he showed a lot of guts coming back, but – you do have to have – I think there, though, you got to still leave a question mark because Madera wasn't a puncher. Um, so Lee did respond. He showed a lot of heart and toughness. Uh, but, you know, he got dropped so hard. I mean, if Madera was a puncher, then I'd probably like, well, he just got caught with a guy that could punch with a bomb. Got to leave a question mark. I mean, I like Lee a lot, um, offense. And, then, you know – if it turns out that he just got caught just right on this one and he came back, it, it, he, like some people are saying, well, he showed he can get Yeah, because he was throwing that. that lazy jab. It looked like he was throwing a jab to then throw a left hook to make it look like right. a double jab. But, yeah, he that, he got countered right over that jab. That was nasty. That was a that was really nasty. hard knockdown. That was a brutal, brutal knockdown. He was lucky he was at the end of the round. But, so, uh but, you know, kind of got to see. I, he, he's been one of my top prospects, but it leaves a little bit of a question mark. Um, not, definitely not going to count him out, but uh, I, I, there I got to be fair. Uh, like, you know, when, when Connor Ben, th- this guy, Madera, is better than the guy that, that dropped Connor Ben a couple times. But still, you know, I, they, they kept Connor Ben away from punchers after that. They seemed to be a question mark. You know, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Brandon Lee, but but I I guess got to see. You know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to probably see when he's in with somebody that can punch. Is everything going to be okay? You know, he can punch himself, but uh, but gonna have to watch gonna have to watch for that. And then uh, you know the the Akhmadov, uh fight with Playo. I thought that one could have gone the other way uh, a little bit, but. Uh, you know, com- competitive uh, competitive fight. You know, on the alphabet front, it's not that like I'm I'm a, a huge Josh Taylor fan per se or something. But hey, at 140, you know, legitimately established himself as the champ. As the champ, I, I don't like to see these other belts around. And then you get Showtime and all the networks start talking about it being for a title and all this, and, and stuff's just just getting stuff's just getting crazier than ever. It's gotten crazy crazier every year but i think i think we're frankly you are at a point where it's just it's just crazier than ever because now what's happening with the heavyweights and and then something like taylor it's typical but you know you, you just really have reached a point where and this is a shame for boxing because you know you've lost that now i mean you, you know forget forget even the alphabet stuff just just like a real champ in a division like like making multiple defenses over a longer period of time you know, there's so many weight classes so many belts and, and things, it's just gone. You know, it's just really kind of gone. And, uh, you know, that's just something in boxing that was a huge part of it that we've kind of lost. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's a shame. We're seeing, we're seeing more of that. And then, you know, main event, I, I did think going into this one, I, I had been an Omar Figueroa believer, but I thought he looked done. I thought the time had passed. And uh, that was the case. I mean, Lipidus just put a beating on him and it was kind of, Kind of sad, kind of sad to see that that beating going on, and 
that that was a good one that it got stopped. I mean, it could have been stopped earlier, but it was good that it stopped. And you know, even with a Figueroa at the end of the line, um, with Panets, like he said in the post fight, he he did his job. And you know, Rip Panets has had some good performances over the years. So uh, you know, he, he's a guy. He's a guy you can't count out. Depends who he's fighting. Like I said, you know, always say, Chris. I think the weight class stuff tends to be a little. You know, overrated, but just for Lipinets' height, you're probably right with him. You know, the 140 pounds, considering all the yeah. talent at 147 as well, might might be a little better. That might make a little might make a little difference for him. So uh, yeah, they we'll got see. a couple of guys they can match him with over the next few years too at 140. It's not as deep as top rank, but they do have some guys for him there. Yeah, that's the thing. If PBC has guys for him there. Um, then that's a fit. I mean, we know how this stuff works uh, nowadays. It's it's got to you know if, if your promotional company can make the fights and will. Although, like you and I always say, I mean, the difference though, like Eddie Hearn, he does not. He really he says it all the time. Too. Yeah. I mean, he's been walking. He's been walking his own guys to the ring now and stuff. You know, he's taken to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he doesn't like you know he doesn't like putting his own guys together. Um, you know, I, I think the way PBC does it is the smarter, easier way to get matchups. I mean, you get it, you get, you have a lot of guys, and then you have your own guys fight, make the good fights. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong, you know, nothing wrong with that to me. So, yeah, if you know, PBC's got 140 pounds. Yeah, it's guys. not ideal, but since we got these output deals, this is the best way to get the most fights at a weight class. You know, it's just bottom line. I think in the modern, right? I think in the modern era. People complain about it, but I think it's actually in the modern era, it's the best way to get the fights out of the weight class. Like you look at all those PBC 154 pound fights in recent years. Um, it's, it's pretty, it, again, in the, in this era, it's, it's probably, and you know, you see top rank kind of, I think they're kind of setting themselves up that way. Um, mm-hmm. They have in the past, they, they go back and forth on it, but you know, I think. Yeah. Match room at one. 15, 118, they've done some, you know, good stuff like that, too. Yeah, and Hearn's had a lot of featherweight. He's had a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. he's keeping the featherweight. He's kind of keeping yep. the featherweight, uh, matching those guys up. And there's been, you know, there's been some good fights. I, you know, that that's where he is doing a little, but, you know, does he doesn't like to, to do it as much. But Yeah, and it's usually some... like a newly signed guy, too. You know what I mean? Where you're like, well, he's not really, you know what I mean? He's not invested in the guy, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Like, although really he's doing the opposite. Like, I mean, it's, it is a good fight, but it looks like he's going to have Wood fight yep. Santa Cruz. So that fits kind of what we're saying. Like, he's, although then there was just a rumor. I think it was the yeah, the Mauricio Laura. Yeah, that he's going to fight Laura. I don't know if that was. I didn't get a chance to check that one out on the sourcing. And it's stuff, it's still in limbo. You hear Jake Donovan talk about it, who was reporting on it. He was like, he still believes that it will be. They're just holding there because they have until a date to, to show the contracts that they right. supposedly agreed on. So it may be just a stalling technique to get these fights wrapped up and then and then move on. So it's not a guarantee. Well, we know it's not guaranteed in boxing, but uh, besides, it's going to be weird. But, you know, it's, it's still up in the air, even though they, they had a ruling. It sounds like it may still be up in the air. I don't know. Okay. That's the good because I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see exactly what. Either was going way, on. it sounds like good fights, regardless, right? Because right, you know, if if these guys don't fight each other, they it sounds like they have some pretty solid opponents uh, lined up if they don't fight. 
Yeah, I agree. And that, that does kind of do a good tie-in. I didn't see some of the prelims of that with everything that was going on, but Navarrete then KOing Baez didn't surprise me, you know, had to, had a little trouble before that. But, you know, yeah. Navarrete's got to step up the opposition. Um, and, and we talked about the promotional things. I mean, Shakur Stevenson, I don't know how long he's going to stay at 130 pounds, probably not that long, which I think is a good thing. But if he's going to hang around a little bit, again, top rank will put their own guys together. I mean, they might just make that Navarrete-Stevenson fight because they've got investments in both guys. They've got them both right. on ESPN. And, and um, maybe that happens. And, um, you know, Stevenson should have a little, a little too much defensive skill for him. But that, you could see that happen. You could see that maybe happening. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, they've got dog, you know, dog base coming off a solid win over Joette Gonzalez, a tight one, but – but uh, solid yep. win. So, uh, and they've got Con- open the show with it, and they've got Conlon. So uh, I don't know. They could do they could do some stuff there. So, uh, but but that's what's been good about those is they've been all ESPN. So that's been a mm-hmm. that's been, exactly. that's been that's been a plus. So uh, I guess that kind of uh, some sums up the weekend where we had we had all this uh, all this action. Yep, it sure does. Um, and yeah, I could see that happening as long as Navarrete doesn't go on that. You know, when he was really active and people were pumped about it, we talk about this too, where he had like four or five fights in a row where you look back at box rec and look at the opponent and you're like, come on guys. I understand that he's active, but let's, let's be honest here. You know what I mean? Because when other fighters, you know, in a variety of different platforms, when they're busy, then all of a sudden they get dumped on. This guy fights four, you know, five times and, 16 months and it's literally fighting no one on the world level there so hopefully i mean he's had a nice run before this he obviously got a little hurt and then he did say funny enough john he, he has quotes saying i fought too many times in a short amount of period i had to let my body rest so it's like ah funny weird that's funny how that works but um but yeah it, that seems like a natural fight um because the way it's lined up, it doesn't seem like Stevenson and Lomachenko would meet early next year because it does seem like they're already viewing towards that for the 135. So Stevenson may hang around for an extra fight. And if he's going to fight, you know, a solid opponent coming up at the weight class, and then Navarrete, it's like, all right, cool. And like you said, it'll be on ESPN. There's a chance for a good lead-in. Uh, I, I would like that fight. And it's entertaining, too, you know, for sure. Like, is Navarrete getting hit or not, he's going to keep coming. Right, exactly. No, I, that, there's some good potential there. I think in this, like, like we said, I think in this modern era, our best chance of getting good action is promoters signing a lot of guys in a weight class and then being willing to put their own guys together. Um, that's just the way things have evolved. I think it's probably the, the easiest way to get good fights. And, and I'm with you. I think once you get to the elite level, I mean, look, I, I've been watching boxing a long time, but, but this is where I'm, I've made an adjustment. I mean, I, once you get to the elite level, I'm not really worried, like some of these guys, how often you fight. It, it's who you fight. I mean, yep. you know. I, and we I got think, enough fights out there to watch, don't we? Yeah, I think we got yeah. enough fights to watch to keep us occupied while the other guy comes back four months later, you know. Well, you're right. Now with all, right, with all fights on TV like you didn't used to have exactly, there's, there's more fights to watch. And I'm, I'm, I'm now like when you get to the, I mean, maybe before the elite level, but even then I'm not as worried about it. 
But when you get to the elite level, twice a year is fine. But I, I, I don't need to know hope or fight. Like I just, I would just like to change to two right. good fights a year. Legit but, fights, but right. guys that are saying, well, it would be so much better if these guys were fighting four times a year. And so that, that's not going to happen. There's too much risk in the sport. Uh, for guys at the elite level. And it's level. a budget. It's contracted. They figure this stuff out, uh, you know, a year in advance almost. You know, like, come, come right. on. Like, there's, there's, you know, there's just stuff that is, like, not realistic. Like, you're living in a fantasy world sometimes. You know? <laughs> right, like, right. Come on, dude. Like, and then you're going to dump on if it is a mediocre opponent. So, you know, which one is right. it, you know? And, and yeah. if you keep to a schedule – it te- you know people don't want to hear this, John. But if you keep doing, if you fight in December, fight in the summer, and fight in December, I got news for you. That's three times in twelve months. So right. if a fighter wants to fight three times in a calendar year, and that fourth fight is within like eighteen months, I'm all for it. But it is three times a year technically over twelve months, as long as you keep that schedule, which most of them do. The pandemic stuff and stuff after that different stages of your career, injuries. We know it doesn't work out perfectly like that, but twice a year actually usually means three times in 12 months. Yeah, it, right. It can if you if you want to work it out that way. So yeah, once you get to that upper, so I, you'd kind of say there to me, like, if if you're a legit, not an alphabet, but, you know, if you're a legit top 10 fighter, once you reach to that, that point, two, two good fights a year or so, that's that's good. That's good enough. I mean, we don't we don't really. I don't think we really need more than that. Um, kind of where we stand, and it looks like there's going to be more action in the fall than I I anticipated. Just like say a month ago, so uh, that surprised me a little. But uh, fall is where more people are watching TV. It just we get hesitant because American football has gotten so big. Yeah, of, of, clogged of up. What you're run up against there, but there's still more people watching TV, so you got to balance it. So apparently, the, the conclusion is, yeah, we're, we're still gonna we're still gonna run some good fights because there's more people watching TV, and that's good. So it, it, it looks like at least in terms of stuff going on, there's gonna be more happening in the fall than I expected. Yeah, we got that Jose Pedraza, Richard Comey. I'll tell you what, the East Coast folks aren't gonna like this one. It starts at 10:30 East Coast. Yeah, that I don't like. I, I I would like to see these things at better East Coast times. Um, I hate hate how that habit got started in the premium cable days. Um, I wish we'd get away from it, but something seems. I, I don't know what works about that for ESPN, but some something apparently does because you know I'd, I'd like to see them try to try to catch some bigger East Coast numbers, but that just doesn't seem to be part of the plan. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with even if the lead-in's like just decent, boxing has proven that it'll in a two, two and a half hour, even sometimes three hour marathon, it you it can keep the rating unless it's a large. We've seen, of course, the large lead-ins usually the best ratings at the start of it, but it keeps it for two, two and a half, three hours, and then as the fight goes on, it peaks back up. You know, it's kind of like we could put Sports Center there, or we could put it right after the fights, or you know what I mean. So I just think it's like, hey, this window is going to stay, and it's you know compared to another college football game, it's relatively inexpensive for them, even if you line it up against uh, obviously the UFC on ESPN. You know, I think that that plays into it. But you're right, we are starting to hear 
not just uh, rumors and fights that may happen and, 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 you know, whether Spence Crawford happens or whatever, but um, that, uh, that the Ramirez, uh, that fight got done with the uh, Bivol. It sounds like that got done um, like for uh, November 5th. Yeah. It's going to be during I the do, day in the state. Yeah. I do like that fight. I don't, I don't like it not being maybe in the U S but as others have said, but, I do like the fight a lot because I, I like it because Bivol's not always exciting, but Ramirez is enough come forward and likes to work the body. I like that style matchup. I mean, I just think that's a good style match. And uh, that's and Ramirez different. finally gets a step up fight, right? Yeah, I mean, this he's got is a good step up. He's stepping all the way up on this. One. His style match is good in terms of a, a, a Bivol type. Got because Bivol still does have it even even you know after getting the decision over Canelo he, he's got that kind of amateur modern amateur style with jumping in and out um, you know with the jab but a guy like Ramirez is a good antidote for that you know with that pro type style of you know coming forward and whipping the body shots so that kind of messes up with that style well like that that's that that has some potential of maybe putting B-ball in an entertaining fight, which, which, you know, he's, let's face it, he's really not known for. So, and, and, you know, I think it's competitive. So yeah, I, I like the matchup. I mean, that's, that's a good one to me. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you kind of random coming on a Sunday night. Any other items you want to address? I think that's about it, Chris. I think we got them all tonight. We got them all covered because the, the big thing was everything surrounding the Joshua Usyk. And then we had a, big weekend of action so there was plenty of other stuff to touch on there and uh i think i think we hit it and we'll uh you know we'll get ready to start heading into the fall as we get uh kind of unofficial into summer with the uh ortiz ruiz labor day weekend and we'll kind of go from there there we have it and by the way next week um just a heads up I'm going to – I want to do that pay-per-view segment we talked about a while back as far as like – because, you know, obviously pay-per-view is such a big topic nowadays. I don't like to talk about it every show and stuff like that. But I remember asking people, we were talking about like what is the worst pay-per-view we ever paid for. Um, and it could be at any level. You know, it, doesn't, it could be the, sure. the, 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 the gun, uh, Roy Jones, you know, or whatever. It could be whatever, you know, because we've been sold – I mean – Tevin Farmer and uh, Mickey Bay was just on. It didn't go through because Triller does, apparently Triller doesn't pay people. But um, you know that that was going to be a thirty dollar pay per view. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. and then I have like a list of pay per views that people they don't remember that hey, there's actually been plenty of bad fights on pay per view. This isn't new. We got to get out of this, but let's let's keep it in perspective. I have a list with the numbers, like the raw numbers, uh, with it. And it's kind of surprising, some of the fights uh, that you go, oh, wow, they put that on pay-per-view? I forgot about that. So just a heads up, if you can uh, kind of, you I'm know, always, think, always ready think to, about yeah, the past. Always, always ready to talk about that, especially with the TV background. But, yeah, I've always, I've always kept the interest. So, yeah, always, always ready to to talk about that and, and for this sport to me that's always an important subject and it does tie in and I, I forgot to say it last week I forgot to say it this week and this is just something with somebody 
like personal. I'm not even saying like I know this person because I'm I'm doing my own uh, little boxing reporting or something, but it hasn't been reported yet either. So, um, inside source, apparently, apparently with the agreement with Jake Paul, you know, I was sensing disaster, and I hadn't talked to this person at that time, but I have since um, ran into him actually. Jake Paul is, is apparently owes a lot of money from this uh, collapse of the Hasim Rockman. Oh yeah, the crypto. Oh, okay, okay, I was yeah. thinking crypto. Okay, all right. Yeah, and there's no. He actually owes them a lot of money from this this falling through. So it, it kind of like like what we suspect there. So you saw he was getting credit for you know paying the fighters on the undercard stuff, which I believe. But apparently, this is not going to go well for Jake Paul because. He's not fulfilling his end of the contractual deal, and he owes money. <laughs> and uh, you know, and you know what? When you think about it, that makes sense because, and you'll get a little idea where I'm coming from. Then, I mean, it was going to be in the garden, and uh-huh. the garden's taken. You know, the garden's taken out. I mean, and then that fight didn't happen. You know, um, right. And yeah, I know I mean, for a yeah. fact, years ago, it used to cost $500,000 to rent it. I'm sure that's gone way up. So you've got the idea, right? So, yeah. Right. Uh, right. There, apparently, there's there's a problem there, and payment has not been made by Paul. And, uh, Interesting. Okay. You know wow. how that goes. They're going to say, yeah. eventually, we want <laughs> Jake Paul, we want our money. You, you supposedly made all this money. We want our money. We want, we want the money right. you owe us. So. Uh, our, we were suspecting that might not have been going well, and I'll, I'll wrap it up. But then I, I think that goes to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. We haven't heard much about this lately. I mean, obviously, then he's going to try to recoup and stuff by fighting or doing something else. You know, and I guess it's really getting with Steven Espinosa and Showtime. They're going to have they got to think out the opponent thing. I mean, if he's going to be pay per view, yeah. you can kind of see that that it's going to have to be where if people are going to break out their wallet for him with this stuff because i still think they might but it's got to be something people are interested in it's, it's just going to have especially to be this environment you know especially this this environment we're going to have five pay-per-views in the last four months of the year yeah even if it's a different clientele buying still it's, it's got to be something that yeah. there's just got to be some little bit of gimmick to it or, or they were kind of trying out fury and rock but it didn't seem to be enough there's there's just going to have to be a little more gimmick to it where people are gonna say, yeah, I, I want to, you know, I want to see this, even sure, if it's yeah. a freak show, a freak show kind of thing, right? Because that can happen, and I'll, I'll admit, I got no shame. I'll sometimes once in a while I'll buy one of those where I'm like, I, I just gotta sure. see this. Yeah. This is so bizarre, you know. So, right. I gotta have something. Give me, you gotta give me some of that. I mean, when he makes this next move, I think they're gonna have to really think it out, and, and apparently he's gonna need. And to get maybe that's money. why this next move might be more of a legit opponent or something like that. Uh, something where, you know that sparks interest to get that thing going back up because yeah, yeah. Something, right exactly something yeah. that gets it going back up whatever you can think of creatively where people are like hey I got to see that you know like like that's weird yeah, yeah. I got to see what happens mm-hmm. there you know um, they need that they're going to need that for the next time he goes out there all right John you take it easy and we'll be back uh, on our normally scheduled time next uh, the well two Mondays from now I guess. Okay. All right, Chris. Good. Good. Uh, right. Good talking with you as always. Yep. Thanks a lot. Appreciate okay. it. Have a good one. Have a good one. All righty. 
That's interesting. Not shocked at that, but that, yeah, because when I think about the $500,000 it takes, or it took, I should say, uh, for for renting out the Madison Square, that was a while ago that information came out. So, yeah, it's probably higher, especially after the pandemic. I bet you it's really higher. Um, just to kind of clean up some of that ESPN and show uh, time stuff, because I didn't really talk too much about it. Uh, Lipinets obviously did his thing. Uh, he looked sharp. He looked good. Like I said, 140 just fits him better. That play you um, in Akhmedov, although I agree, um, and we even talked about this last week, I agree with what John's saying about it being for a vacant belt because when you look at the rankings, you know, if you look at two or three different, you know, weight class rankings, forget about the sanctioning belts, um, it's not, I like, neither of these guys are high in the top 10, obviously, at 140, right? So that part of it, I totally agree with. I mean, it's not like pro gay is, is the pata and Ramirez is next. You know, that's, that's like, hey, that's a pretty damn good change. That's a pretty damn good vacant belt scenario, right? Whereas this one, ranking-wise, yeah. But I, I'll say this, at least we got a good style matchup in an, an exciting fight. Because sometimes you get some of those vacant belts where you're just like, oh, wow, this is a mismatch. So that's what I really liked about it. I thought that, and I do agree, it could have went either way. Um, I actually did have uh, Poyu winning, but it was tight. I would have been fine with a draw. I wouldn't have been shocked if Ock made off uh, one. Six, five, one would have been fine with me, either either guy. Uh, but I did have it six five one seven five Pueyu, which tells you it was damn close. And the punch stats that shows it too. Akhmedov two oh seven to one ninety one. Pueyu was a little busier eight twenty five, but you know not as accurate seven fifty four thrown for Akhmedov, uh, but twenty seven percent there. Uh, the body punches too forty eight to forty three in favor of Akhmedov, but it was uh, one fifteen one thirteen. Then 117-111 for both. And that was like, this whole weekend, and, you know, I think I tweeted this, like, go figure, it's boxing, right? But this whole weekend we've had some, between this and that other fucking card that I'm going to get to in a second, that shit sucks. But as far as, like, just watching the fights, this Pueyo and uh, Akhmedov, that was a fun fight. And like I said, it could have went either way. Uh, Pueyu, I thought, got off to a better start. His his quick, his super fast, hard combinations were landed really, really well. But then, you know, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, that type of frame, all of a sudden, uh, the way he does, and a lot of come forward fighters do this, they just got their, you know, get their engines revved. And uh, Akhmedov really took off after that. I mean, he, he, he started putting his punches together and landing really hard. And then you saw Pueyu start to slow down. And sure, he was still throwing punches and all that. I think he had a good bounce back around the 9th and the 11th. But, um, and just a fun-ass ending. Actually, the way Ock made off, he threw like, I swear to God, like 20, 20 straight punches to close. Maybe 20-something, I don't remember. But, uh, man, that was fun. That was a fun. And like I said, either way, I wouldn't have a problem with with however that you know, however that went down, that Lipinets, that right hand, 
early in the in the in the fight was nasty. Dropped him, um, and really never looked back from there. Figueroa looked like lackluster. Looked like he had, you know, not been in the ring. Although I'll say this, he did look like he was in pretty good shape, which has obviously been an issue of his. Uh, so I definitely give him some credit there. But other than that, um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty one sided, obviously, very one sided. Um, and then the Hector Garcia, Roger Gutierrez. I thought Gutierrez's jab and the distance where he was at, uh, it was it was. I thought he did pretty good in the opening few rounds, and then it, Hector just took it over. Straight left hands, body work, counter right hooks all day. Um, probably from like rounds three, I gave few rounds in the middle rounds you could see the 10th and 11th that's when uh Gutierrez in my advantage he had the advantage there he was landing better and he kind of looked like he did earlier in the fight in a in a two-way round to close too uh but overall Hector Garcia having a good year man 156 to 116 as far as punches landed jabs even 38 to 7 power punches 148 to 79 Hector Garcia and the whole Dominican vibe going on, shout out to the Dominicans, by the way. I forgot to mention that. You know, Puelu and uh, Hector Garcia getting it done. Um, overall, though, good performance. Um, you know, pretty clean win, I would say. Eight to four, nine to three, something like that. Moving on to the, uh, the co-features. Well, uh, Ali's grandson did win the rematch he knocked dude out so that's good for him um we'll see you know where they how they move him and if he starts to you know when they step up the competition we'll see it's tough to say they'll probably take their time um then it was uh, luna against Sant- santia and this is the one that had two scorecards that were 100 to 90 the other one the other one was 96 to 94 10-0 is just fucking ridiculous, dude. I mean, this shit is wild, dude. This is like one of the worst scorecards. Like, because it was a competitive-ass fight. A very competitive fight. And, you know, Luna, there was a lot of give and take in this fight. But whether it was inside, off the ropes, or at distance, Julio Luna was landing plenty of good shots. And there was plenty of rounds that you could give to him. And, and, uh, you know, maybe like Santia down the stretch, like in the ninth round, closed very strong, gave him the eighth round as well. The last part, you know, he he definitely seemed like he he just closed out strong. You know what I mean? So so kind of the tenth round was close too. I did give it to Santia. But third round, back and forth round, who knows who won that fight. But I can look at uh, the first the fourth, the fifth, the seventh, those are rounds you could give to Julio Luna. So that that was ridiculous. But a f- interesting fight, pretty good fight. I thought it was a pretty competitive fight. And then Emmanuel Navarrete and Eduardo Baez. And the first round was very close. Uh, I thought the body work in the second round um, gave it to Eduardo Baez. I, I thought that was pretty easy. The third and fourth were very competitive. You could have split them. Um, the fifth round, 
a jab and a really nice right hand and a pivot off of it. Good defense with the upper body movement as well uh, by Baez. I mean, I don't know. He fought really well in this fight. He only went six rounds, you know, um, and I think like 50 seconds, it's like a minute, 50 seconds into that sixth round body shot. He actually, Navarrete uh, landed a, a right uppercut and then a left hand to the body, and it was a wrap. It was over, but, you know, no, no one thinks Navarrete is some great defender or anything like that, but um, he was getting hit a whole lot in that fight, and although he got knocked out, I thought Baez for himself about what I thought it'd be. I didn't actually think he'd get knocked out, knocked out uh, per se, like, oh, for sure he's getting knocked out. I didn't think that, but uh, that just goes to show you, Navarrete has the power, and um, you know, like I said, he gets hit a lot, but he can put his punches together. He's got these weird angles that just work for him, and uh, like the chopping angles, you know, with the right hand, it just he can make something look like it's an uppercut or a hook, and all of a sudden, boom, it's an overhand chopping shot. And uh, he's a fun fighter to watch, and it was good to have him back because he was off for a while. Um, because he was active there for for quite a while, even though you know, you know, the first part of that, his activity was really solid fights. Then, like I said, he went through like four opponents where it was like, eh, those are garbage opponents. But now he's really gotten back to it. So yeah, he, he's he's faced a nice little string of fights, and we'll see. You know, I guess he's having problems making 126. I did see multiple people talking about he should go to 130 because he's so tall. But some of it has to do uh, with outside the ring, actually, Lukey and somebody else, who else said that on Twitter today, I saw that, you know, he may be having a little uh, too much fun, maybe, on the outside of the ring. But, hey, we all know that it goes. Um, but either way, uh, really good fight weekend. Um, obviously, you know, Usyk and AJ stood out. I think the second best fight, as far as drama, I would have to say um, – Jang and uh, what's his toes, but because you know they went down, they were exchanging big blows. But as far as just action-wise, because you know that was like there'd be spurts of you know what the hell's going on in this round, and then all of a sudden they'd hit each other with big big shots. Whereas Poyu and Akhmedov, that was like ongoingly a good ass fight. So that's probably the tied for second for different reasons. Um, and then they yeah, had that Brandon Lee. I, I mean, he did get hit with that big, big, big right hand. But I thought he looked, he boxed fairly well after that. Uh, you know, he's got a good jab. Obviously, the right hand, the left hook, body or head. Kind of light on his feet. You know, I'm not calling him twinkle toes. But, I, you know, I, I, I kind of like what I saw out of him or see out of him. It's not like the first time we've seen him fight on TV or something. But we're going to see what happens when he steps up the competition. Um, so, yeah, Richard Comey and Jose Pedraza, which is, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about these mid-level fights, and this, this lines up to be one of them. I think it's a pretty good fight. Um, let's see. Actually, I think they both, did they both lose to Ramirez in their last fight? Oh, no, 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 I'm wrong. Lomachenko. That's right. So it, it has been 
let's see. Yeah, it was Ramirez earlier this year in, in March, I think it was. Yeah, March. That that's uh you know, a competitive fight, eight to four, nine to three, something like that against Ramirez. Uh, Pedraza put up a decent fight. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a complete whitewash or anything like that. It's Comey who hasn't fought um, in, since last December against Vasily uh, Lomachenko. Uh, you know, that's when uh, Comey got knocked down. Was that when he was like, Lomachenko was saying, hey, call the corner over or whatever, and then he ended up not getting the stoppage? Uh, something like that. But um, you know, Comey, when you look at who he's fought, if you just back it up a little bit, man, this guy, he's really, you know, Shabakov and Easter Jr. back-to-back fights. Uh, even the Alejandro Luna, I remember that fight. Obviously, the Teofimo Lopez fight didn't go his way, <laughs> you know, style matchups. And Lopez just caught him with a great shot, but he did back it up right against Jackson Marinez, who, you know, a lot of people thought be Roley, or he did be Roley. You know, maybe not the box rack or history, but you know he did. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wonder. I mean, both guys are not what you'd say fresh, right? Um, both, you know, are in their edging towards their mid thirties, I believe. I think Pedraza's is thirty two or thirty three, and, and I think it's thirty four or thirty five for. Uh, Comey, so you kind of wonder, you know, both guys have only been stopped once. Uh, obviously, Gervonta, you know, did stop Pedraza, but Pedraza, well, shit, he fought Lomachenko as well. Um, Zapata fought a competitive fight with him, like I said, coming off that Ramirez. I'm going to favor Pedraza in this fight because Although he can do stuff on the inside and he can exchange punches with you, but he can counter, he can be on the move, he's got good defense. It's just, I'm not really calling him the hotter fighter per se, but he had, since he lost to Zapata, he did, you know, kind of have a nice little minor run there. And, and I thought he, like I said, I thought he, I guess he looked better against Ramirez. And I know you can't do this at times, but I, and I don't mean, obviously Lomachenko's a weird-ass style for anybody, for the most part, but I, I'd probably say he just looked a little fresher in that fight, so I am going to go with Pedraza to get that done, um, and I think, uh, what's his toes, Anderson's on the, uh, isn't that, yeah, Anderson's on the undercard as well, the heavyweight prospect who, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see, you know, what 2023, I think, is a big year, uh, hopefully, for uh, Jared, the real big baby Anderson fighter. So, so we'll see. Liam Smith. Oh wait, that's next weekend. So that's it. I mean, it's we're not used to saying that this year, but yeah, that that's it, right? Or the last couple of years, really. That's about it for the weekend. Um, someone messaged me saying, "Where did you hear the source about?" Fury and Usyk in December. Well, I didn't say I heard a source, but there's, you know, rumors out there. And the only place I saw it posted was the Daily Mail. So if you keep track of them, eh, I'm not sure. But just to point it out, December 17th in Saudi Arabia for the World Cup. 
Um, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if they just have that ready. Um, and, you know, that would be Saudi money, obviously. So that would be a huge thing. And it would give Usyk some time, too, if it's not till December 17th. It's not like he'd have to turn right around. You know what I mean? So, um, and when you look at Usyk, man, someone sent me this text, too. You know, it, it's Globoski, bottom in Port, uh, Portland, <laughs> Poland, Hunter in America, Huck, Germany, Bredis and Lativa, uh, Gassiv in Russia, three fights in a row in the UK, Bellew, Chisora, and Joshua, and then obviously in Saudi Arabia, kind of a neutral site, I guess you could say. But it is, it's a tough spot for him, and luckily he has the skills to get through that, you know what I mean? Because a lot of guys wouldn't, because you do have to beat people somewhat cleanly, right, to get those, to get the cards. So, um, yeah, man. It's pretty pretty interesting there. Oh, also, um, what is it? Port Poria, Port, Port Francisco, Portillo. He was a thirty to one upset. I saw this. This is from Keith Eidick. I didn't actually see it, but uh, Rashid Warren in a six rounder, supposed to be a tune up. He got beat. I forgot all about that. Thanks. But uh, I appreciate it. As we mentioned, Demetri Bivol. Uh, and Gilberto Ramirez will fight November 15th in the United Arab Empress. So um, I do like that fight. I think it is a good fight. I definitely am down for that one. Um, There is some other... Well, actually, since the last time... No, did I... Did we talk about, I can't remember on Monday, did we talk about Wilder and, uh, actually, I don't think it, yeah, it had been announced. That's right. Wilder and Hilarious, um, had it been announced? Didn't it get announced this week? Was it before Monday? I can't remember, but we knew the Hilarious, we knew it was going to be pay-per-view. The one thing going for it, and we'll see the rest of the undercard, is Caleb Plant and Anthony Durrell on the undercard. I do like that. I do have to say I like that. Chris Cyborg to make the box, Micah Boxing debut September 25th in an eight-rounder. Um, and, yeah, somebody didn't believe me. About, so Triller had Tevin Farmer and Mickey Bay for 30 bucks. Now, supposedly they didn't pay the fighters a certain amount or, or show that they had it or something like that because we know Triller has been funky. Uh, lately as far as getting money whether it's you know people behind the scenes as we saw uh certain creators and stuff haven't been get paid they they got a lot of back pay and uh speaking of actually i totally forgot about this this is kind of a side note but you know a lot of people obviously like hip-hop and old school hip-hop um triller speaking of swiss beats and timberland are suing Triller for $28 million over versus. They basically said, hey, we sold them. We sold it to them. They sold their ideas, sold the thing to them, and they just haven't come up on the money. <laughs> so it's like, damn, dude. Also, Jake Donovan, Fimo Lopez, insists that he will be back on December 10th on the Heisman night 
He also claims he will be in the main room at Madison Square Garden on a pay-per-view. <laughs> After the fight with Ryan Garcia, we'll just leave the pay-per-view part there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really know about all that stuff, right? <laughs> and, yeah, the, it pelts and Raging Babe had some good tweets about that whole uh, Seven Farmer Mickey Bay thing. Um, and basically, uh, basically Peltz was like, Hey, Peltz boxing Twitter was like, Hey, why, why, uh, why would AZ commission license a promoter who has a track record of unpaid bills? And it sounds like, um, you know, basically get your money back or obviously don't rent it, you know, that night. Um, and this is raging babe. She says, if a promoter tells you that they're going to pay you six figures, and they have no network TV, no casino site fee, no corporate sponsors. How exactly do you think they're going to pay you and get you a return on their investment? This is simple math. It was all bogus from the jump. Well, you know, the network thing, to be fair, they are the network. They're the app. You know what I mean? So I think that plays into it. But to her point, <laughs> which is a really good one, they haven't even lately in Pelts, too. They haven't been paying people sometimes lately or paying them partially or whatever, you know, but this was funny earlier. Raging babe said, I assume that Terry has unretired from his unretirement. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you there. I think that that's a great way. Uh, you know, that's a great way to put it. Um, I heard that KSI's opponent is is off the card because he has a Nazi tattoo. It's like, you guys didn't know he had a Nazi tattoo? Like, really? Okay. Whatever. Uh, Louis DeCuba Sr. Um, said, hey, next year we're going to make Morel Benavides. They're going to take care of their little uh, Mando. I, I, that's what I'm thinking anyway. Uh, but he said next year we're we're going to try to make that fight. We're going to get that fight done. So we'll see, you know exactly, you know how that plays out. Speaking of uh, Morell Jr., I'm assuming he's going to fight here in Minneapolis. I think it's November 5th. I saw, actually, I saw someone tweet this too. But I heard from a couple people locally that the PBC is going to be back in Minneapolis Armory November 5th. So we'll see. And someone just messaged me. It was 30 bucks uh, that Tavern Farmer Mickey Bay. I didn't pay for it. I wasn't going to pay for it. But I'm saying. Um, um, and Bob Aram keeps reiterating, you know, I fully expect to negotiate the undisputed fighter with the winner. And now he says it, you know. So basically, just the retirement claims for Fury is a grain of salt. Don't even, don't. Um, this is from Cop Coppinger. The only fighter Ryan Garcia is focused on is Gervonta Davis, and he's, he's instructed his team to make that matchup next. Blah 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 blah. That seems like some old news. Um, got here. All right, I think I'm just gonna do some boxing Twitter stuff, mix in some news if I find some more. Um. Here's a tweet 
uh, right after or during the fight or right after the fight, that heavyweight fight. Uh, let's remember that no one wanted to fight fight Hergovic in two IBF. Mandos passed up. Yang took it with no problem. But you know, let's let's also remember uh, Parker. Wasn't it was it Joyce and Parker or just Parker? We know Luis Ortiz, Parker. I think it was Joyce too. I think it was Joyce. I think it was those two. But remember why they weren't fighting him because they're making more money to fight better fighters. You know, it doesn't mean they're afraid. He's had hype for no reason. The sanctioning organizations are. Uh, are run by corrupt, awful people. But Usyk is an example of how the model is supposed to work in principle. He is not himself a big draw, but stands to make over $100 million over three fights because he was the Mando and could leverage his position as the champ. That's a good point. That is a good point. I'll definitely give you a, a good point there. Nothing Hearn loves more than cashing out a welterweight against a middleweight, Fred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah. That's a good point. That is a good point. Um, we got a couple more here. If Spence Crawford, this is Abraham Gonzalez. Uh, if Spence Crawford happens, I would lead towards uh, November 19th, because remember, we've heard the 19th or, or 12th. I think Dan Raphael said that. Um, November 19th, the college football uh, schedule doesn't have a major game that Saturday. And then also, and this is what I was thinking too, the World Series would be done. Also, the MGM Grand is open. Grand, the Grand, uh, the MGM Grand is Garden Arena. That's open. Those other two, 12th and 19th, T-Mobile. Now you can change that. It matters who, you know, matters who who's renting it, and who's booked. But that is something too. And that that's some of this is that too. If I is it going to work? This, that, and the other. Um, Tiafima Lopez on Max Boxing. I still believe that I won the Cambosis fight, whether people call me delusional or not. I am the greatest of my time in my era for that reason. If that makes me delusional, so be it. Okay. I did a poll a little bit ago. It said, how would Virgil Ortiz fare against elite welterweights? And I have four different categories uh would beat thurman and or ugas beat spence beat crawford or beat spence and crawford no one said he'd beat spence or crawford uh 2.4 said he'd beat crawford 4.8 percent said he beat spence beat thurman and or ugas 90 basically 93 percent of people thought that he could get a dub someplace in there. Just heard this on Talk Sport that Eubank Jr. is only allowed to put on five pounds after the weigh-in, meaning he can't weigh in more than 162 pounds uh, the morning of. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, he said I'm going to be 60%. You don't – boy, you hate to see that, right? You hate to hear that in a, in a press conference. Like, hey, by the way, um, I'm going to be 60%, but that will be good enough. Vasily Lomachenko and uh, Ortiz. Jermaine, is it Jermaine Ortiz? They've agreed to a deal uh, in October, late October, to get a fight uh, you know, back for Lomachenko. Lomachenko's uh, arrived in L.A. last Tuesday, and he started training camp. Uh, and the winner will face Haney or Cambosis, which October 15th 
uh, that seems like that is the date for that fight. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, Rabisi Ramirez and Jesse Magdanello eyed for the Lomachenko-Ortiz card. That's kind of interesting. One more thing, the IBF title eliminator heads to August 30th purse bid, according to Jake from a couple days ago. Joshua Buatzi and Jean Pascal. Sounds like that may go to Pitt. That's a pretty good fight. And uh, Artero better be a beaker be was injured. So they're going to postpone that Anthony Yard fight. I'm going to get out of here. You guys enjoy your weekend. Or enjoy the weekend. I'm acting like uh, it's Monday or Wednesday. I uh, hope you enjoyed your weekend. Uh, but I'm going to get out of here. We'll see you next Monday. Peace out.